Talk Live, and as always, you're invited to join the show. Uh, you can easily do that by dialing in here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Uh, Ian here in the studio tonight, Jay Noon, will be joining me shortly, and we've got some pretty big news to start the show out with here tonight. And that is according to a federal appeals court. They are striking down a panel of judges unanimously uh, ruled. Three-judge panel in the New Orleans-based appeals court uh, today, apparently, or sorry, yesterday, struck down a decades-old law that barred users of illegal drugs from possessing firearms which is a huge blow to U.S. gun regulations after the Supreme Court cleared the way last year for courts to re-examine the nation's gun laws under a new legal standard. And this is a law that has never made any sense at all. The idea that if you have ever been convicted of a drug crime uh, or you are you know, admittedly a user of marijuana or something like that, that you are just simply not allowed to defend yourself. You are not allowed to defend your family. Uh, for instance, here in New Hampshire, uh, there's the medical marijuana program, and Jay is with us now. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. Uh, Happy there, to be here. Yeah, there's the medical marijuana program that's been in place now for, I think, about 10 years. And whenever you sign up for this medical marijuana, which... I have done, um, even though I'm not allowed to, to use it under my federal bail conditions, I, I do qualify for it. Uh, when you sign up for it, they give you plenty of warning that by signing up for the medical marijuana federally, uh, state, you're doing it at the state level, right, from the Department of Health and Human Services here in New Hampshire, but by signing the form saying that you are going to acquire marijuana, you may be putting yourself at risk from federal prosecution if you are also found to have a gun i i, I would i uh, wouldn't even walk into a uh, cannabis store just to look around because they want to scan an id yeah no I, I, get, I, I tell get that it. to people all the time like why would you even do that now you're in some database somewhere i think most people probably do it for the convenience sake i mean the, most people are willing to give up their privacy for convenience most I mean, people we've are seen willing that. to give up their rights for convenience it's true. all the time yeah that's true um i've actually done it once a long time ago i went down to i think it was like 2019 when massachusetts first opened their stores just to have the experience of being able to walk into a store and and purchase marijuana, I was willing to do it. And yes, you're right. They did scan uh, IDs going in there. But uh, it was it was interesting. Overpriced, but interesting. The thing is, though, Jay, even if you have the medical card, you're not obligated to buy your marijuana from a store. You can still buy the marijuana on the black market. It is just, it is legal for you to have and to use medical cannabis for medical purposes. Now, there's certain rules in every state around how or how much uh, cannabis you can have at any given time. I don't think uh, New Hampshire even has home grow yet. I think that's something they're still working on. But they have been what they have been doing is they've been making it easier over time for uh, for patients to get access to it. They've been lessening the restrictions over the last ten years. Now they're allowing patients from other states. So if you have a card from Massachusetts or you know somewhere else. You can come in at Arizona, you know, wherever you can come into New Hampshire and you can go to one of the shops there or they will recognize the card. So they've been lowering the, the requirements for 
qualifications and things like that. But now, according to this federal appeals court, it may be the case that if you are a drug user, you will have your right to bear firearms, to bear arms restored. I want to talk more about it, but let's go to the phones here. we got a caller already on the line here on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. Go ahead, caller. Hello? Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Hey, hey my name's Nick. Uh, I was just calling about the uh, use of firearms with a medical marijuana license. Yes, sir. So the background check process didn't seem to, you know, at the time I was a medical patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't say what state I'm in. But, uh, you know, I, I went to a gun show and just kind of for, you know, laughs, I went ahead and I applied to get a, uh, you know, a rifle, a long arm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. But, you know, lo and behold, boom, there it is. I got approved for it. So Interesting. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure uh, how they, you know what the background check even entails. Like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's criminal related. So if you don't have like a criminal history of you know violence or drug use or whatever, then it's probably you're pretty much in the clear. And you were just saying you just had a medical marijuana card, right? Right, right. And, I, you know, I've never had a criminal offense or anything yeah. like that. So do you think it's like a HIPAA violation or something along those lines? That doesn't uh, show could it be. It could, could be that. I mean, it's probably just as simple as... The federal government doesn't have database access to all of the states that have a medical marijuana program. They just don't have that access. They don't have that information, so they can't check it. That's my guess. Gotcha, gotcha, But HIPAA could be a a factor. Yeah, and honestly, like, with with legalization coming coming down the pipe, uh, I I don't really think that it should restrict gun ownership. I think that's actually pretty ridiculous, especially if you live in a large metropolitan area. Absolutely. You know. Everything's going down the tubes, and you know I'm. I just tuned into you guys, so I'm not sure where your affiliations are, where you lean. But you know where I'm living now. If you don't, if you don't have that on you, you know, you're you're pretty screwed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I can't speak for you, Jay, but I would say most of the hosts of this show are libertarian or would describe themselves as a voluntarist or an anarchist. Right. I, I like to call myself a non-archist. There and you I, go. Would, I would say uh, we like freedom here. That's what we're into. I gotcha. I gotcha. I, you know, man, I'm, I'm glad I stumbled on you guys. I was just going through the uh, the old train fever in my car, taking a ride. Oh, where are you calling us from tonight? I'm calling from uh, Philadelphia. Oh, we're on broadcast radio in Philadelphia? AM 740. I'm going to make a note of this. AM 740. So, so right. Philadelphia, have you taken a ride down Kensington Street any uh, time lately? <laughs> so uh, I actually work on an ambulance, so Yes. Oh, perfect! Oh, wow. so, Many of my days. So you're. So I got a question for you. Uh, What's up? When uh, and and I've asked this to some guys in Springfield, Massachusetts, and some guys in Manchester, New Hampshire, that are first responders. I was a firefighter actually for 20 years, and uh, our town had a private ambulance service, but I knew a bunch of ambulance guys. Uh, and anyways, uh, first off, thank you for your service. Being a, a EMTs are very important. Uh, and I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things uh, that I've been at, at encouraging people to ask first responders uh, is uh, how many of the um, you know the uh, overdose victims or the people that you're narcamming uh, are on welfare. So, like, do they have an EBT <laughs> card in their pocket? Uh, uh, you know, you know, um, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sure it's a high clip. You know, I'm obviously not asking, but uh, that that area is well-known for, you know, high welfare, high food stamp, chip, EBT, whatever it may be. 
And uh, I, I think that's pretty ridiculous, man. I, I think it's nuts that a you know a good percentage of my check is going directly to people who just get it on the card and sell it outside the supermarket for you know drug money. Right, right. So one of my you know theories I've been pushing out there is you know health and human services you know who provides all the welfare is fueling the opi- opioid epidemic is fueling the American drug epidemic. Uh, because uh, of uh, the, some, I I've got some buddies that work for I think it's called AMR American Medical Response maybe right and, right yeah that's a huge company right and uh, so Springfield Massachusetts and what they told me is that pretty much everyone they're giving Narcan to or you know essentially the dead overdose victims that they're picking up uh, if they you know when they find their wallets or if they find their wallet sometimes you know these people are like I guess they just get robbed as soon as you know they're not in control of themselves by the other junkies uh, but he basically said that everyone they can identify uh, has an EBT card uh, which essentially means they're on welfare oh yeah you know absolutely I it's uh, it's crazy. You hear a lot of word of mouth, especially back during the uh, the pandemic. There was a couple people uh, down that neighborhood who got jammed up because they were literally going around two hundred bucks. They were buying social security cards from from the junkies and cashing their their COVID checks, which is just oh, ridiculous. There are so many so many loopholes loopholes in this system. It's ridiculous, and it's always the taxpayer that has to end up getting screwed. Yeah, hey, thanks for the call tonight, man. I definitely appreciate you reaching out. And thanks for the heads up that we're on in Philadelphia. I knew that we had a station. The station you're listening to, by the way, for the record, is WJFP uh, AM 740 out of Chester, Pennsylvania. So thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. Oh, awesome, man. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and it's great to be on uh, WJFP. I thought they were only taking the show on weekends, so maybe there's been a programming change. A lot of times I'm not the first person to find out about these things, so it's our listeners that uh, that bring it to our attention. So if you're listening in Philadelphia, welcome uh, to the show. Free Talk Live is an open phones program, meaning that you can call in about anything that you want. And the number here is 603-283-6160. Of course, we always bring things to the table to talk about. And when I saw this headline, I this was this is a big deal that this has happened because there have been a lot of people in the let's call it the drug the responsible drug community, okay, which I believe is the bulk of the drug community. You know, you talk Jay about junkies and You'll find junkies in the upper echelons of society as well, right? Oh, yeah. the, the bored housewives sitting at home. She hates her life. Her husband's terrible. She's doing some kind of, you know, crack or meth or whatever. It's just that, you know, they, they get to taken care of a little bit better when There's something goes wrong. Right? Surgeons, cardiologist yeah. surgeons that use heroin before they go into surgery. <laughs> sure, it makes their hands steady is what I was told. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, the. The thing is here, there's there's a bunch of responsible drug users out there who maybe they come home at the end of the day from a long day at work and they want to roll up a joint or I mean, smoking marijuana so passe at this point. They pop an edible or whatever, and then they are putting their ability, or were until this court decision, putting their ability to defend their family in jeopardy because if the federal government found out they could be prosecuted for that. In fact, this law goes all the way back, according to CNN.com, to 1968. The court in a three-judge panel unanimously ruled that the law is unconstitutional, citing the landmark 2022 Supreme Court decision that changes the framework that lower courts must use 
when analyzing gun restrictions. Quote, in short, our history and tradition may support some limits on an intoxicated person's right to carry a weapon, but it does not justify disarming a sober citizen based exclusively on his past drug usage, according to the circuit judge, Jerry Smith, who was a Reagan appointee on the panel. He said further, quote, do or rather no nor do more generalized traditions of disarming dangerous persons support this restriction on nonviolent drug users and that's the key point here most drug users are one not abusers they're using it responsibly at times when they're responsibly able to use it in places where they're responsibly able to use it and secondly they're nonviolent These are people who are not knocking over convenience stores, uh, not sticking knives in people's backs or whatever to try to get the money to buy their next hit of whatever it is that they want to do. And and those kind of activities were pretty much only happen where guns are so heavily regulated that you can't even have one. So there's not an epidemic. So Mm -hmm. we got a bunch of, you know, we have drug encampments in essentially Nashua and Manchester, New Hampshire that are pretty clear. In fact, uh, they were just. I heard a thing on the radio today, uh, local radio station, how they've had a record amount of deaths for like the first half of the year from overdose in Manchester and in Nashua, the two two largest cities in um mm. you know uh, in New Hampshire. Uh, but what what's not happening in Nashua and New Hampshire is you're not having you know There's armed no crime robberies. Wave. Not yeah. definitely not like there is Baltimore, New York, Detroit, Chicago, places where you can't have guns right. because the people just can't defend themselves. Because even the even the junkies know. That when there's an armed society, they have to ha- at least be somewhat polite. They just can't go rob people. Yeah, and I mean, you may see some desperate people doing some desperate things, but they're not going to last very long. Right. I mean, if you keep br- crawling through people's windows uh, in the middle of the night or day or whatever, looking for some money to buy cracks, somebody's going to put a bullet hole in you at some point. Well, and, and in New Hampshire, you have a right to defend yourself. Like in That's New correct. York, you City don't have and, to retreat. And in California, you it's like you like from what I understand. You can't defend yourself. Just like you, these- you have an obligation to retreat, according to the law, as I understand it, in a lot of places, including I think Massachusetts as I, well. I believe that's an issue yeah. in Massachusetts too. Even retreating in your own home, as I understand these uh, these laws. Yeah, I know uh, New York City and New Jersey both require that uh, retreat. You have to exit your house if somebody breaks into it in New Jersey. I'm aware of that because I know a, of a guy who basically stood his ground with a baseball bat. Kind of like this, you know, the stick guy did. What are they in the Seven Eleven or whatever in California? Stick man. Oh yeah, they're going after him. Yep, they're going after him for you know basically serving instant justice, defending for listeners himself. Listeners that don't uh, don't know that we're, we're talking about, there's a video that I guess went viral within the last couple of weeks where a couple of did you say they were Sikhs? I think the no, one, I said stick man. Oh okay, well one of them I think had a turban on, so made me think he might be a Sikh. Anyway, uh, but he did have a big stick, and some guy was in this convenience store. With a garbage can, like a huge garbage barrel, just throwing cigarettes into this garbage barrel and just acting like he's just going to come and walk in there and take as many cigarettes as he wants and then walk on out. And supposedly he had a weapon, is what I heard. I didn't see it in the video, but that's that's what I heard. I saw the video, and it's not real clear in the video, but the way he was grabbing it, mm-hmm. it didn't look like he was grabbing a stick. It definitely looked like he was grabbing some kind of pistol. Because the You're way about the man hit, with the garbage can, yes, the man yeah. with the garbage can. Because just just the way he was, you know, mm-hmm. p- putting his hand, you know, to his back, it was uh, just, okay. Maybe he was grabbing a baton, you know, because that's got like a ninety degree, you know, handle on it. Mm-hmm. But he definitely was. It was either a baton or a pistol. I'm going to guess pistol. Even if the dude didn't have a weapon, 
he was still, in my opinion, the guy in the store is, yeah, is completely within his rights to use violence to stop a lunatic from destroying his store and stealing God knows how many hundreds or thousands of dollars uh, worth of product. And so he, the the man who was a, I presume, store owner or just employee, uh, just starts wailing on this guy with a big two by four or something like that. And it, the man who was robbing the place ends up on the floor crying and begging this guy to stop. And as I understand it, prosecutors are now, I, I don't know if they brought the charges yet or if yeah, they are bringing him. charges. But yeah, they intend to go after this sure. guy. Because in places like these big cities, you're not allowed to defend yourself. But that's a whole other story about just general self-defense. And we could come back to that and talk about you know why it is that if you believe in the right to defend yourself, you shouldn't be in places that don't support it. Uh, that's a whole other thing. But I do want to point out, uh, finish uh, more of this, the details from this story here. So we've got the case that this uh, three-judge panel ruled unanimously to reverse was uh, that the uh, man Patrick Daniels was the defendant, will have his July 2022 conviction under that law that we're talking about, where, again, a former drug user uh, cannot uh, bear arms. Daniels had been sentenced to nearly four years in prison and three years of probation, uh, according to the ju- one of the judges in the case. As applied to Daniels, the federal gun law violates the Second Amendment. Daniels had been arrested in April of 2022 after law enforcement officers searched his car during a stop and found marijuana butts and two loaded firearms. The officers did not administer a drug test the night of the stop, but Daniels admitted that he was a frequent user of marijuana. First mistake, okay? The first mistake is admitting anything to the police. If, you know, look, I'm not a lawyer, not giving you legal advice, but if it were me and the police were searching a car, whether they're legally searching it or illegally searching it, and many of them are likely to do it illegally, and if you're on the side of the road, you may not know whether it's legal or illegal. It doesn't matter. If they find something like a marijuana butt and they say, Mr. Daniels, is this your marijuana roach, sir? You have no obligation to answer their question. You do not have to tell them that that is your marijuana roach. You don't have to tell them that you smoked marijuana earlier in the evening or that you have ever consumed marijuana in your life. It doesn't matter if they found the roaches in your ashtray. So circumstantially, sure looks like it might be your roaches, but they still would have to prove it in court if you didn't admit to it. So they don't have to prove anything in court and a judge will still find you guilty, just well, like in my wife's true. case. <laughs> that may be true. Or the jury may find you guilty anyway, but, like they did yeah. in my, my yeah. case. But. So, but, any, but the one thing that you should say, this is not legal advice, but uh, there is some precedent, some ruling. I don't remember exactly what, what it came out of that, you know, silence is consent. Uh, and mm. you, and there is some ruling where you just can't, you, you can't invoke the fifth um, oh, yeah. by being silent. You have to actually say uh i'm like what i would would say recommend it saying is i am exercising my right not to incriminate myself mm. uh, it covers yeah you know, you're, pretty much you're referring to a supreme court case from i don't know most of a decade ago i think at this point yeah, that sounds right that made this bizarre ruling that you cannot simply remain silent even though you have a right to remain silent that you have to verbally invoke and i suppose you could actually use like a uh, pre-written piece of paper i bet you could probably have you know i'm invoking my right to remain silent or whatever call, call my lawyer and put that up on your 
uh, you know, the inside the, of your glass. There's a bumper sticker here. It says, uh, I do not consent to searches. Yep. And uh, I'm exercising my right to remain silent. Maybe there's maybe there's two bumper stickers. One says the other, and then it mm-hmm. says something about call my lawyer, Martin and Hipple, yep. <laughs> or something, and a phone number. Yeah, these are all things you could have written down because it can be tricky to have an interaction with a police officer. Sure, it's scary for most people. It, it's very intimidating. The, the man's got a gun. In many cases, his hand is on the gun. Uh, he may have even drawn the gun in certain circumstances. And so it can be very, very scary. They're they're trained to intimidate you. They're trained to make you feel... At the same time you're intimidated, they're also trained to try to coax information out of you. So they want you to, to kind of do what a human being is likely to do, which is to say, have a conversation with somebody. When someone who's another person looks at you and says something to you, it is your natural inclination, most people's, to say something back. Whatever that person is saying to you, you just want to say something back. It's just what human beings do. So you have to go against that when you're in a police encounter. You have to remember some basics of how to handle an encounter like this. And one of the basics, again, not legal advice, just my personal experience and you know what I would do uh, in these circumstances, is to not answer any of their questions and as Jay pointed out, you have to assert yourself in a certain way. And a good way to do that, I like what you said, Jay, but I also like a simple statement of I don't answer questions. And then if they say something else to you, whether it sounds like a question or not, you can say the same thing back. I don't answer questions. And that that is you essentially saying that you are going to be, to be remaining silent. And you're also letting them know that if they want to conduct an investigation, they're not going to get anywhere with your help. You're not going to give them anything to assist them in their investigation. And that is what they're doing. When they have you on the side of the road, even if it was just for some kind of, uh, oh, your license plate light is out or, oh, your headlight was out. That's the reason we pulled you over. You better believe that most of those cops are looking for another reason to ticket you because they want to get their departmental average up. And, you know, get a bonus or whatever it is. And they want another, many of them want to put you in handcuffs. They just want to. It's Some of them are into it. You cannot trust these people. They are not your friends. We got more coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. It is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. show here the number 
number, 603-283-6160. We're talking about a pretty big decision by a federal appeals court striking down the 1968 law that prohibits people who have had drugs or have drugs from being gun owners. And I think this is great news for the responsible drug users in the the United States, which are the vast majority of them. I want to continue with that discussion here. And then coming up, you got a letter from DCYF, the so-called Department of Children, Youth, and Families, I think is what it stands for. Oops, sorry, Jay. It's a division, not a department. So division whoa, 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 whoa. Let, Let's get into that coming up here in a little bit. <laughs> uh, but also the uh, show here is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency. It's designed for use uh, to be used for spending, which most cryptos are just designed to do some sort of techno wizardry uh dash focuses in on being actually useful and one of the things they did they were the first crypto project and they were actually i'm not i'm not saying they were the first one ever obviously that was bitcoin they were the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization but they were one of the first cryptocurrencies like one of the first 15 i think cryptos that ever came out so they go way back and they did the dow first and their decentralized autonomous organization to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. The way it works is every month, 10% of the mining rewards uh, from Dash's miners go towards a treasury. And anybody that has one Dash can put forward a proposal for the Dash masternodes to vote on. Those masternodes vet those proposals. They decide which ones move forward and then they receive funding automatically if they're voted in by the the treasury. In fact, that's how we got this sponsorship. And nowadays, DAOs are plentiful. They're all over the crypto world. Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. We can talk more about this appeals court ruling striking down the federal law prohibiting people who use drugs from owning guns. But let's talk to Sheriff David Hathaway on our SIP line, which you can connect to over at sip.freetalklive.com. Normally people call on the regular phone. This usually sounds better because uh, it's an internet call. David, you're on Free Talk Live, calling us from yeah. uh, Santa Cruz County, the border county, uh, one of them in Arizona. Welcome. Yeah. Hi, Ian. Ian and Jay. Yeah, good talking to you guys. Just want to make a couple comments. First on the consent thing. Um, like here at the Border Patrol checkpoints in Arizona and cops in general, they're real tricky on the consent thing where they will... You talk, Just uh, to clarify, are you talking about the internal checkpoints? Yeah, the internal okay. checkpoints that are well within mm-hmm. the United States. Um, the, it will ostensibly sound like they're just being friendly mm-hmm. and asking for your assistance, but they'll say things like, hey, buddy, would you mind popping the trunk for me? Just that little silver button there. Can you just hit that and pop oh, the trunk for me? And, would you mind? That sounds yeah, like they're we, asking we, for yeah. your consent. <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. then it is actually a question. And they say, hey, uh, hey, buddy, could you pass me the keys there or can you just step out now? Can you go around there and just open the trunk with the keys for me? Uh, just uh, – you know, or can you just reach around in the back seat and just pull that handle there to open the back door for me? And it's just kind of like, can you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. And but it is actually in the form of a question, and they are actually seeking consent. So Sneaky. that's one of the common ones I see. Sneaky. Yeah. How would you oh, go ahead, Jay? I had a DOT cop years ago when I was hauling hay, 
And he's like, hey, can you step out of the truck? I'm like, are you uh, asking me to do something? He goes, yeah, I just asked you to do something. I says, okay, I don't work for free. <laughs> I, says, you, I want $50,000 an hour to work for you. And since you work for the government, I don't trust you. I need to get paid up front cash. <laughs> and he goes, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, you can hold me in involuntary servitude. You can order me to do something without paying me. Nice. He says, you want to go down yep. that road? Let's do it. And uh, he's like, just get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another thing, Jay, on that that thing, the law about you, that they struck down, it says, you know, um, if you use illegal drugs, you can't own a firearm. But it's kind of it's really weird and hypocritical because let's talk about opiates. You know, there's a whole bunch of legal opiates that have the same ingredient in it, like codeine mm-hmm. and Demerol and oxycodone. And there's, you know, morphine's legal. There's fentanyl patches that are actually uh, legal and prescribed. But then there's the illegal um, drugs, they have the same substance. They're still opiates like, you know, uh, heroin or raw opium. So it's just kind of weird that you could have the same substance in your body, but if it's designed to, to, defined as illegal. And I, I was just looking at that ruling when you were talking about mm-hmm. it. And I guess at this point, they're kind of uh, constraining it to marijuana, you know. Oh, are they? The, the, well, it's just the, at least that seemed the way the holding was in that case. It was particular to... Oh, just because to, the case specifically had to do with, uh, with yeah, marijuana? And, mm. and, but it did say, you know, uh, striking down that part of that law that mm-hmm. said illegal drug usage, um, you know, can't disqualify you from owning a gun. But then it, it is kind of weird that some things can be illegal. Well, at the very uh, least, the this same, would open yeah. the door for a, a defendant who was arrested for cocaine could use the same argument and may indeed have success. But I'm curious to come back to the checkpoint trickery that you're talking about. Uh, These are the same checkpoints where they will ask people if they are U.S. citizen, correct? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's exactly it. And that's That's technically the reason for those checkpoints. But they'll do other things, too. Like it's been the fraud with the dog usage has been proven over and over. Like they've had, uh, you know, body camera videos showing uh, the the dog handler making the dog alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on signaling a spot on the car. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're quietly they to... signaling to the dog yeah. to false alert to give an excuse to conduct a search, uh, and that's what they can do if they don't get the driver's consent with the tricky questions that right. and, uh, you're and, talking about. And then they can't put the dog on the witness stand and say, articulate mm-hmm. for us <laughs> what it was that made you alert on that spot. Now, right. if it's a, a human being, the officer has to say, well, the person looked nervous or he was sweating or he <laughs> made conflicting statements. Um, they have to like compile a list of things to make it be like, why, why you had your probable cause, why you're suspicious. But of course, speaking of Border Patrol, they don't even need... Uh, probable cause. There's three Supreme Court cases that say Border Patrol has what they call extended border search authority within 100 miles of the U.S. border. And yet two-thirds of the American population, over 200 million people, live Well, hold on. If that's the case, uh, David, then why are they trying to get people to consent to the search if they can just search anyway? The the, U.S. Attorney's Office likes it better if they can get consent. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there still are cases that get thrown out. For example, a tractor trailer driver that has a load of tomatoes, uh, but there's some cocaine hidden in there. Um, You know, he can make the argument that he didn't know that it was loaded at a warehouse and Mm -hmm. he just came with the tractor and hit and hooked up to the uh, the trailer part that was had a reefer unit on it. So they do get thrown out sometimes. But if they can if they can go down this path of suspicion or consent, um, 
then the U.S. attorneys, you know, like that. It may it makes it look uh, like the person was more involved with with giving permission. Do you have to go through these on a regular basis when you're traveling around Santa Cruz County? Yeah, I did. I did today. There's two of them here in wow. Santa Cruz County. And are they permanent um, or they move around? They're permanent. They used to be when I was a teenager by by Supreme Court ruling, they had to be temporary. So they would wow. take them up and take them down and move them to different places. But now they're permanent and they have permanent structures. And like I said, the Supreme Court has ruled that uh, the Border Patrol can search without without probable cause within 100 miles of the U.S. border, which includes cities like New York, Los Angeles, you know, Seattle, Ridiculous. San Francisco, Miami, you know. So so what do you say? I mean, it, you know, you gave us a good example of how these officers from the Border Patrol are saying things like, hey, can you just open up the trunk for, trunk for me and trying to get people to consent to it? What would you say when they hit you with a question like that? And, and have they hit you with that question? Yeah, what you don't want to do is start arguing constitutional law with them. Mm-hmm. Just keep it real simple and have your statement. Uh, it's just pretty much like what Jay was saying. I say, I do not consent to any searches. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I say, I have the right to remain silent. But I first get it out that I don't consent to mm-hmm. any st- searches. And then I make it clear I'm not going to make any statements. And I also have, uh, there's a famous libertarian uh, gun rights attorney that lives in this state. And I have his cell number on my phone and he encourages people to put his cell phone number on their (laughs) phone. And I say, you know, if they really persist and get ugly, I say, I need to call my attorney before I I make any statements if it's really getting uncomfortable. And then he will always say, it even says on his website, never make a statement to the police. But I just say, I I need, you know, if it got really bad, I've done that before, say, I need to call my attorney. And then Mm -hmm. once you say that, that's like the silver bullet they're taught in all their law enforcement academies. Once somebody requests an attorney, you have to stop. You know, mm-hmm. you're, they're supposed to stop when you say you don't want to talk, you know. But I, I say those two things. I do not consent to any searches, even if they're just saying, hey, buddy, can you pop the trunk for me? I say I do not consent to any searches. And I have that ready in my mind before mm-hmm. I roll up. So I don't have to invent the verbiage at the last minute. And then if they persist, I say uh, I'm, I'm not going to make any statements. I think those are good suggestions for people out there. And again, a lot of people aren't encountering these things on a regular basis in some parts of the country. But, you know, if you're going traveling and you're going down to the south, this can also happen near the Canadian border as well. Uh, But uh, you come across one of these checkpoints. Now you know a little bit more about what you can do. There's a checkpoint, uh, White River Junction, Vermont, which is a border town. Really? uh, New Hampshire. It's it's almost 100 miles south of the uh, Canadian border. Mm Mm-hmm. Been there for years. When I was hauling hay, I used to go through it all the time. This is not on 91. It's this somewhere in This is on 91. It's, I've been through that 91 through White River many times yep. and not run into it. So there's a it's rest temporary? area. Uh, well, maybe. So there's a rest area just south mm-hmm. of the uh, 89 and 91 interchange. And it's uh, I can't remember what the exit number is, but it's okay. just south of the White River Junction exit. So if you missed the, the exit for White River Junction, the next thing is this rest area okay and they set up border patrol there they used to set it up a lot i haven't seen it in you know a couple years i I don't go up there much but i used to travel through there like three times a week and it was set up a lot and when they would ask me if i'm a u.s citizen oh uh, boy (laughs) i I would say uh, what definition of u.s citizen are you using (laughs) or what is your definition of u.s citizen and there's a court ruling it's uh if you were to internet search uh definition u.s citizen hooven allen Mm -hmm. uh versus i can't remember uh but it's from like the 50s and it gives three different definitions of a U.S. citizen. 
Well, these Border Patrol guys... They don't know what they're talking about. They're like, well, this is United States right here. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, you mean to tell me that this uh, this piece of dirt we're standing on called that we call Vermont is the United States? Is, 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 is that what your definition of? Because, you know, the IRS says the United States is District of Columbia, territories and possessions, for example. Mm. And so, but yeah, a lot of times you just ask them, because it's a vague question. United States actually has three different definitions according to the Supreme Court. Do you remember what they are? Uh, so I'll say them roughly, but uh, it is uh, 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 can be uh, the District of Columbia, which I believe is the second uh, definition. The first definition, I believe, is a state within the Union of States known as the United States. And I f- don't remember what the third one is similar to the mm. first one. Anyways, it's, you know, it's, it's legalese, you know, kind yeah. of stuff. But, uh, you, but the Border Patrol guys don't know the actual definition of, of course not. the United no, States. They're just following orders. In fact, in New Hampshire... Uh, it, I, it's a RSA 21, uh, section four, I believe it is statutory code, or maybe it's RSA four, section 21. I could have that backwards, but state is defined as United States territory, uh, district of Columbia territories and possessions. That's basically what the state of New Hampshire statutory construction manual defines the word state as. So when you get a ticket or you get a, a summons or you're charged with child endangerment, like my wife was, it says state versus you know, Shallon Noon or whatever, you know, the uh, whoever they're writing a ticket to or or, or, or mm-hmm. the, the uh, claim against. And the state is defined as District of Columbia, territories and possession. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like uh, <clears throat> that's the next thing I want to get into with the, you know, when the cops on the stand on our next go around mm-hmm. and their trial de novo will go through. But uh, I did have a comment about um, and Sheriff, if you could uh, comment on this. So <clears throat> when a woman is uh, given birth in New Hampshire. Uh, they will sometimes test them for THC. So, for example, um, we were concerned about COVID, and we had talked with a, a doctor, a couple of doctors about this, uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits uh, being one in particular. In fact, there's a show where Judy and I talked about this on freedomsphoenix.com, and we were conter- concerned about not so much COVID, but you know the shed of the COVID-19 vaccine and the spike proteins and all that stuff. And, you know, um, miscarriages have sort of skyrocketed, you know, during this time. And we wanted to protect ourselves. So one of the things we did was we used uh, ivermectin paste and mixed it with cannabis oil. And I basically, we rubbed it on my wife um, a, a certain amount. And the ivermectin paste was literally horse wormer. And so it's a topical and it'll get a little bit of that ivermectin in there. And, well, we had a really a super healthy baby. But you can test positive for THC when you do that. Really? So the interesting thing is, is they'll want to give you a, a hard time, uh, you know, whatever, you know, do some stuff if, if you test positive for THC. In fact, in Alabama, they put women in prison if they test positive for THC when they're given birth. Uh, there's a story about a, a, a girl who uh, this happened to that was using CBD oil. And uh, but what they will do is they will prescribe you an opiate narcotic for pain from the pregnancy. So they're yep. like, "Oh no, the THC is horrible. We're going to, you know, <laughs> fine you for that, but but here's this opiate. Take this." And that That's is some hydrocodone. Some I can't remember which pill it was, yeah. but it's an opiate. And and uh they're like, "Oh, would you like some?" And I don't remember what this thing was called, but they were like just pushing it on my wife in the hospital. And my wife's like, "I don't want an opiate. What's wrong with you? I'll sit here in pain. Leave me alone." Mm. You know. So it's just it's it, it's so ridiculous. 
Yeah, and these, uh, Jay, these CPS things or Department of Ch uh, Children and Family Services, they're so vague that they can kind of, they, they have so much power, they don't even need a search warrant. They can go in and look at your kid's teeth and say, oh, their baby teeth have cavities in them and threaten to take your kids away from you. And it's for that very reason that we had our last seven children at home, home births, just me and my wife, our first two of the nine were at hospitals and we had such a bad experience. Like there's this now defensive medicine where they do all this weird stuff to you. They put silver nitrate drops in your kid's eyes that immediately make their eyes swell up. And it's Whoa. for, in case the mom had, and it's universal, in case the mom has gonorrhea and you're supposedly not able to opt out. And they say, well, it's minimally intrusive. So there's even been court rulings to say, uh, that uh, hospitals have been sued that didn't do that. So they kind of automatically do that now. And, auto and the automatic episiotomy that they do, um, just this whole defensive medicine, we, we did everything we could think of, everything in the book, so you can't sue us. Even though an episiotomy causes, uh, there's, uh, you know, the, the level of wounds that the vaginal tears that a woman can get are from a one to a five. And the natural tearing, if there's any, is like a level two on average, but episiotomy mm -hmm. is automatically up to a level five, but they're doing that to supposedly uh, protect the mother and ease the baby coming out. But it's just where they, I don't want to get too graphic about mm -hmm. it, but it's usually with scissors. They they snip the tissue between the vagina and the anus, um, and that's called an episiotomy, and they kind of automatically do that. They did that to my wife, and it's mm. very painful. You have to recover. They do the stitches and all that Jeez. kind of stuff. And uh, we even told them on the second one, we do not want you to do this, and we don't want you to do the silver nitrate in the baby's eyes. And they did it anyway. Oh, so my God. After that, we did all the, the last seven births at home, and, and it was a pain to get um, – certificates and they wanted us to get the vaccinations mm -hmm. which we didn't but um yeah like jay you're right i mean it's just those people have unbelievable power to go in and just say we're going to take your kids from you because mm -hmm. you didn't change the diet the diaper often enough or yeah something. it's crazy uh and we could talk more about that coming up here uh david great information on how to handle police encounters and just to be clear what we were talking about um a few moments ago with the border patrol also can apply when it comes to local cops. I mean, there's a there's a lot of trickiness that they try to pull to try to get people to consent to a search. Uh, one of the the lines that I've heard so many times, not in person, but on you know videos when people are recording their encounters, is uh, I'm going to have to ask you to uh, you know open the trunk or whatever. That that way it's not they're not like asking you for a favor. That's more of a it sounds like an order. Yep. But uh, it's actually they're just asking. He's saying I'm going to have to ask because they don't have any actual probable cause. So he has yep. to ask in order to have you obey him and just allow him to search. So just be very, very cautious. Uh, and again, you know, don't agree to anything that these people want and ask. You know, if you want, if you want, you can ask questions to clarify as well. Uh, but again, speaking to the police tends to increase your risk. But if if a cop says you know, oh, I, I can you do me a favor and open the trunk? You can say, well, are you just asking? And just to clarify is whether or not he's giving you an order or he's asking. And that's exactly. that's another option. Yep. Thank you, David, for the call tonight. Right. I do appreciate it. That's David Hathaway. He is the sheriff down there at the border county of Santa Cruz uh, County in Arizona. Always an interesting call. 
by a guy who knows the business. And if you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. But again, anytime you are speaking to the police, you are in jeopardy. So if you're going to speak to them, make sure it is always in the form of a question. That's why I say if you want to ask a question to clarify, that usually is okay. But again, just... uh, you know, not allowing them to get you to talk is really important. My favorite question for the cops is, do you believe just because I'm on this land that we call New Hampshire or wherever you are, that the New Hampshire code and constitution apply to me? Did they, they ever answer it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, it does, mm-hmm. is what they say. Okay, what evidence do you rely on? So that's a really good setup question for court. Mm. Uh, the other thing, too, is recording them is really powerful. Yes, thank you. I'm glad you got to that. And so you record them and ask them questions, and this this recording uh, will might be heard by the jury. Will quite likely mm-hmm. be heard by the jury uh, if they don't, you know, delete it. On you, which I've had my recordings deleted. I've had videos deleted a few times. I've had uh, I actually one time in Vermont, I had two recorders going, and he deleted one, <laughs> and then the other one was above the visor of the truck. He didn't and, know about it, and he didn't know about it. <laughs> and I pl- and I played that one for the judge, and the judge. Flipped out on this cop. This was Whoa. like in 2001. And I was 21 or 22 years old. And he just, for 15 minutes, screamed at this cop and he dismissed mm-hmm. it. It was, And I got pulled over for um, not having a DOT number on the side of my truck. Dash cams are cheap these days. I mean, 2001, they were probably a little pricey. But uh, nowadays, I think you can get them for like $50 to $100. It was uh, I had a HD. Like, I had I had bought like a ten pack of micro cassette recorders. Oh wow! You know for this like this was back in the day. yeah yeah it was okay yeah. So I did it. You know yeah. so I I had a couple and I happened to have like three or four of these in my truck and they were mm-hmm. just ready to go, brand new batteries in them. I just bought them like a couple like a couple weeks ago and right. I and at the time I had like four trucks. So I wanted to have one in each truck. You know because I'm just it's hard moving all your stuff around from truck to truck and you know. Uh, but yeah, I uh, da- dash cams are really awesome, and I almost everybody's got a dash cam now because they're so inexpensive. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if it's almost everybody, but there's certainly no excuse if if it's something that you think is a valuable idea, and I think it is. It's a good idea not just for uh, police encounters, but just to have evidence of anything else that could happen while you're out on the road. When I say everybody, just about anyone's car I get into and go somewhere with. All my friends, okay, good. they'll have dash cams. I'm really glad to hear that. Uh, let's continue here. Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. Go ahead, Major. Yeah, I've got a couple threes for you. Okay. <clears throat> Number one, you were talking about the cops, and that reminded me of as, even as a little kid. They were trying to brainwash us because the crossing guards that led us across to the stoplights going to school is our little in our little yellow duckling suits, right? They all had police-looking hats on and police-looking vests on, and we were taught to trust these people from five years old. Oh, yeah. By the video of it all, right? Sure. Well, then they bring Officer Friendly into the elementary school and, you know, propagandize you that you should trust the police, and anytime you need help, you always can go to the police, and they'll keep you safe. Sounds like cult grooming. Definitely. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember one time when my kid was in like fifth or sixth grade, and old officer friendly coming, and uh, he lays out you know a marijuana joint and a pipe and whatnot, and then he uh, lays out a couple of pack of zigzag papers and he looks at the kids and he says, "Do your parents have any of these laying around?" Oh my God! 
Yeah, that's literally trying to get kids to un, uh, unawares snitch on their parents. That's not what they're intending to do. It's not what the kids are intending to do, but that's what they will do because they think they can trust the police officer. Another danger of public schooling. Absolutely. I mean, that's a great point, Jay. Get your kids out of these government schools as soon as possible. Thank you for the call tonight, Major. I do appreciate it. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about your DCYF situation. There's not much more to say on this news story about the overturning of the law that prohibits people from, uh, you know, having guns and being drug users. It does say here that those in the Fifth Circuit, which was the Circuit Court of Appeals in this case, covering Louisiana, Texas, and Mississippi, who have been convicted under this law, can now seek to challenge their convictions and possibly have them overturned, possibly get released from prison if they're still there. So that's a little bit of good news. we got Hour 2 coming up. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, kicking off the second hour of the program. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Jay joining you here tonight. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts, and we're going to get into the latest in the case that the state thugs are bringing against Jay's wife, Shallon, uh, in state court, the... DCYF, as they are called, the Department of Children or Division of Children, Youth and Families here in New Hampshire, is continuing to target Jay's family. And we've got the latest notice that they sent or the latest threat or whatever it is. And we'll share that with you coming up here in a moment. But first, we go to the phones calling us all the way from Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. It's uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Scott, she says. Uh, Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Hi, Rebecca. What, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm just here to um, to talk about Jay Noon, who is um, presenting at the Non-Conformist Series, which is happening tomorrow and the rest of the weekend. It's uh, a, a on free online event, and uh, Jay is one of our awesome presenters. Yeah, uh, actually, I was here the night, this was maybe a week or two ago, that you guys recorded this presentation. 
and it seemed to go very, very well. I mean, that was my understanding from sort of coming by the studio on occasion as he was uh, doing it. I think he was only scheduled for 45 minutes, but it seemed like you guys were on. Maybe you were just chatting with him. I don't know, but it seemed like you were on together for three or four hours or something like that. So it seemed like you really enjoyed it, Rebecca. Yeah, look, we might have we might have um, kept going for a little bit longer afterwards. Yes, uh, definitely. Um, I think once you've got a lot to talk about, it's hard to stop. But the actual um, presentation that we recorded for the Nonconformist series was surrounding the idea of getting your kids off the uh, the internet and uh, how to um, to give them. Uh, dopamine hits from other sources Mm -hmm. so that was kind of where that discussion went it's definitely something jay has talked passionately about here on the radio so free talk live listeners will probably be familiar with some of it but jay are they going to pick up some new information if uh if they tune into this thing uh they would for me they well if you're if you listen to me every night it's it's a lot of what i've been saying anyways but Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of put together uh rebecca helped me you know keep me on track i'm a you know a little bit of a (laughs) you know i'm I'm like that dog that sees a squirrel sometimes you know and i'm you know you know getting things just pop into my mind uh so it's it's sort of a a more precise precise presentation of what i've been talking about and i and it's uh, all put together and uh, and it's, uh, and it will, yes, I think it'll, it'll help people understand where I'm coming from a lot better, mm-hmm. uh, that have been listening and it's something, you know, that you can focus on and then there will be a question and, oh, and really? a Q and a afterwards. So you'll be there for this thing yes. happening as it, uh, is, is presented and then you'll take questions. Yes. Okay. All right. That's and then there's cool. going to be a round table discussion with, uh, myself, um, Danny Sessoms, uh, who, who else is on there at round table? Uh, yeah. Jonna, who's um, Danny's uh, travel partner, and uh, and also I have asked Le- uh, Lexi, who is running the Mariposa Freedom Festival, so she's going to come on as well. So we're kind of going to talk about, uh, in that roundtable, we're going to talk about building community through running events. And it's not a long, long uh, interaction, but it's, that that's kind of the focus for that since that's the connectivity between everybody yeah it'll be information packed for sure now this is happening starting tomorrow it's an online event it's put on by the folks over at Anarchapulco, which longtime listeners of free talk live know very well because we broadcast from Anarchapulco here at free talk live for multiple years i think we're there three or four years in a row and it's a, that alone is a great event, but you got to pay a little bit of money if you're going to fly to Mexico and get some, you know, hotel rooms. This you're telling me you can you can attend this thing in its entirety for free, Rebecca? Is that right? That is a hundred percent correct. If you are there to watch it live, then you can watch it for free. Mm-hmm. And when you sign up, you get the option to buy the upgrade to the lifetime access which ah. I'm telling you right now is worth 67 US dollars. That's um, it. Okay. Not, and that's and that literally is that's the cheapest it gets. It goes up um once, you know, once you don't take that first offer. But sure. um definitely not into the hard sell. That's why we offer it for free as well. Um, that's great. but I think once you dig into day 2 and 3 as well, you'll be going, "Oh man, I wish I'd paid the 67 bucks." 
What are the, what would you uh, can you highlight a couple of things from you know that you know besides Jay? Uh, obviously, our listeners are familiar with him. But what uh, I see there's looks like a, maybe a dozen, two dozen speakers here. I mean, what are uh, what are some of the topics you're excited about hearing? Uh, I am really excited about the hemp builders who are actually first up. So they um, they've got a a um, in a community that they're building in Tennessee. Um, and but they're actually, and quite a lot of the community probably know these guys anyway. They've been getting around a bit. Um, Imami and Imani and River, and River was a big, you know, sort of uh, big development builder, and he's changed strength. You know, he's he's seen the light, and so he's got that that experience of building but then he's turned it and gone okay hemp is where it's at hmm. and so i'm really excited about them and they're on they're on the same day so tomorrow um the program's actually on the site so and, and mm-hmm. anyone who's familiar with anarchapolco they can go there and look but i'll give um if there's an opportunity for jay to put his affiliate link in the chat somehow then that would be the best way so Jay can benefit. Um, if you do upgrade, he basically gets 50% of any of the sales, just hey, to be bad. full disclosure. I appreciate um, it. And, and it's fair enough. I mean, the, you know, everyone puts a lot of time into their presentations and and I'm always, you know, we, we try to be as fair as we can be to, to give them some benefit for their effort. Um, but, yeah, so I'm excited about them. I'm excited about... Um, I've seen all the presentations except for Jeff Berwick's, which is the only one I haven't seen. So that's mm-hmm. actually the same. De- that's tomorrow as well. Um, and that's, you know, if everybody knows who he is, it's always going to be an interesting uh, presentation. And then the uh, the next day, so Saturday, we have um, – it's all about food growing – and I have a triple treat of basically three permaculture presentations in a row, but none of them are overlapping. You mm-hmm. know, they're basically building from one to the other. And one is um, has a big focus on, on, on getting kids out in nature and how to teach them and stuff. And it's actually from North Queensland, which is where I was living before I ran away to Mexico <laughs> and uh, joined the anarchists. <laughs> and... Um, and yeah, so basically, there's some some beautiful people who really are doing the doing the deal. Like they're teaching people about permaculture design, and and get bringing their children into it as well. And and so I think Jay, you'll love that as well, based on what we spoke about. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and and look, but then my my super nerd friend in is in the middle there who actually does permaculture design using tech. Now, this is where I say the 67 bucks is worth literally that presentation alone because he – and you don't have to pay it. I'm saying you can take screenshots for the whole – if you watch it live, you can sit there and get all the content for, you know, nothing. But he's giving you probably about 20 tips of different programs he uses for designing his permaculture design. Mm. So it's super interesting stuff. And um, he's 
Yeah, so those guys, and then we've got Jim Gale from Food Forest Abundance coming on, and he can't make it to the Q&A, so he sent his chief permaculture designer to do the Q&A. So it's really going to be worth, if you anyone's wondering about what permaculture design is, that day will answer those questions. So this is day two. That's going to be Saturday. Uh, food growing and homesteading is going to be the focus. The first day, which is the day Jay is going to be presenting, that's tomorrow, is focusing on building resilient communities. And then day three is going to focus more on family stuff, raising liberated families. So this sounds like a real resource for people. And Rebecca, thanks for uh, for making this available. It looks like you're one of the key organizers uh, behind this thing. This is the first time this has ever been done with Anarchapulco, right? No, we've actually, we did one in May. Which oh, wow. Because what we're doing, it we were trying to just keep momentum going through the year rather than just mm-hmm. sort of forget everyone. For, <laughs> and um, so we did a one that was focused on vital and it was called Vital and Awake. So we had um, the Andy Kaufman and... Um, some really amazing thought leaders in, you know, unconventional thought. Um, and it was it was a pretty pretty epic program right, too, cool. actually. So, well, yeah, good. I'm glad and, to hear that. It sounded well, like that one maybe worked out so well you decided to do another one then. Oh, look, I I like it's all about actually getting a a, a plat a uh, sort of a way of of putting these things together and and it's a shame to just do one and then mm-hmm. forget all about it you know so yeah, sure. and really we do have so much content and and so this event is based on the sovereign living day of the anarchopolco main event which now is a whole day on this kind of content so really um you know there's so many different angles to go for how to actually be living as a sovereign being, and that includes everything that Jay teaches, as well as all of these people who are really digging into, you know, how do you actually maintain a um, intentional community? How do you build one? You know, how do you make it kept out of the grips of the power structure? You know, and so yeah, so that that's the idea. I'm excited about it, Jim. Glad to glad that you're involved in it. You always have a lot of interesting things to say, and people can get signed up for this, whether you can watch it live or later on. Uh, it will be available later on for what sounds like a relatively affordable price. Rebecca, was there anything else that you wanted to share about the event? Uh, not at all. No, just get on the site, and you can. Um, but definitely put yeah, put Jay's link in there, and um, and we also we definitely would love you guys to um, come to the tenth anniversary of Anarchapolco main event in February. Well, I would love that as well. Hopefully I will not be in a federal prison cell at that time. They've taken my passport from me, uh, so I physically won't be able to until I can get that thing back. But as soon as I get the passport back... Uh, well, yeah. Otherwise, they, they don't like it when you're under uh, when you're under bail conditions and you leave the the country. They don't like they don't take too kindly right. to that. Uh, but uh, we would yeah, love we, to bring Free Talk Live. Yeah, we would love to bring Free Talk Live back down to uh, Anarchapulco one of these days when when we're all free enough to do it. And the uh, the website is anarchapulco.com. I do still have your link, Jay, from last. I think you gave yep. it to me last week. I'll go ahead and repost that on the Free Talk Live social media profiles. 
We have our own social media site at social.freetalklive.com where you can follow Free Talk Live at FTL. And then, of course, at Free Talk Live on Twitter. We'll put that link out there for people that want to get signed up. Thank you, Rebecca, for calling in and sharing this with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, good luck with this. It sounds like it's going to be really educational, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I hope to be at Anarchapulco this year. We'll see what's going on. For the first time. It would be the first time for me. That would be in 2024 because it's usually February. Right, right. Yeah, the next one coming up. Because, you know. Middle of the winter time for those of us right. in the cold states. It's nice to take a break and go down to Acapulco, Mexico, where it is just gorgeous at uh, that time of year. I'm gonna try to put some. I'm gonna put put, put something together for the, for these guys. Uh, maybe we could do some blacksmithing down there, like I did at Pork Fest. Uh, obviously, I can't haul all my equipment down there; <laughs> no. it'd be expensive. But if we we might be able to source it locally, yeah, probably. And if we can make that happen, and you know. Um, if we can make it happen, we're going to make it happen. Put it that way. I think it's really exciting. All right, so I put the link out there, Jay, for anybody that wants to jump into that. And since we're talking about Jay Noon things, let's talk about your wife, uh, Shallon. She was, uh, she and you uh, have been targeted by the thugs at the Department of, or sorry, Division of Human Services, or sorry, uh, Children and Families. Yep. And uh, they claim that your kids are in danger from what well they're not really clear if i recall correctly because bonnie did read me this document that they sent you recently oh yeah so they sent this thing certified mail i presume it it has to do i i I have not read the whole thing but she read the bulk of it to me i presume it has to do with the recent conviction in new hampshire district court for the dastardly so-called crime of leaving a two-year-old strapped into a car seat in an air-conditioned vehicle on a nice day, as according to the police-owned testimony, a very nice day uh, in New Hampshire in the Concord area. Mid-March. Mm-hmm. Still snow on the ground. But they said it was like 70 or 65 degrees or something like that, so it was supposed to be a really nice day. Well, according to uh, like the Weather Channel, it was like a high of like 64 that day. Yeah. A high. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you didn't really need the air conditioning in the car, but it was on. Well, climate control. Yeah, you know, whatever what it was. It does, it keeps it nice in there. Yeah, and uh, some snitch had come across the car in the parking lot who just so happens to work for the prosecutor's office, the county prosecutor's office. I don't know if she's a secretary or what her, yep. her secretary deal is. Secretary is what her LinkedIn profile said. Yeah, and so she calls the cops. The cops show up, and there was some dispute at the trial as to how long of a period the child was in the car. It was apparently asleep. So, you know, comfortably asleep, just chilling in the car, and they arrested her for that. Uh, not on the scene. It took, what was it, months? Actually, uh, my wife never got arrested. She oh, got really? Pulled over by a cop, and and the cop's like, oh, there's a warrant out for your arrest. Mm. And and the cop was like, oh, this is ridiculous, mm. <laughs> basically. Uh, I'll bring you back to summons. I see. Yeah, so, so he didn't so, he so, didn't put handcuffs on no, her, but he did ticket her. No, no ticket. Well, all the summons is well, yeah, yeah, essentially yeah. a ticket. The summons, yeah, provided yeah. the summons, yep. Okay. And so then she had to go to court. There was a trial. Uh, the courtroom was packed full of people. They actually tried to keep us out by moving the trial from the normal courtroom with the full pews to a room that had maybe four out of eight pews so it was a much smaller courtroom because they wanted to actually keep people out of this trial ended up people sitting on the floor against the judge's demands it was it was a really interesting uh situation full video is over on the free keen channel on odyssey over at video.freekeen.com if you want to see it 
But now, after the conviction, you guys have put in for what they call a de novo appeal here in New Hampshire, and that's because they charged her as a Class A misdemeanor. Right. And what that means is that your wife is facing up to a potential year in jail on this conviction. And in New Hampshire, you have a right to a jury trial appeal from a bench trial for a Class A misdemeanor if you want it. And why wouldn't you want it? It's a second crack at the uh, the apple or whatever. And so uh, you guys are putting in for that de novo appeal, which de novo in Latin means from the beginning. That means that you will get a whole new trial in front of an actual jury this time. And that means the state has to put on their whole case all over again, call all the witnesses again, and go through all the motions, but in front of a jury this time. Meanwhile, DCYF sends you a letter. Yeah, so they send a uh, certified letter, and uh, they are saying that um, they uh, that there is a preponderance of evidence that the child was neglected. The ne- neglect occurred that uh, the neglect that occurred was the following: on March twenty first, twenty twenty two, DCYF received a pert uh, a report concerning an a concern alleging that your child was neglected by you. In, it was reported that you left your child in a running car while you entered a department store for approximately 30 minutes, leaving your child unattended without proper care or supervision. You were later charged with child endangerment due to the incident. CPSW, that's Child Protection Service Worker, uh, uh, Social Worker Melissa Coombs, has conducted an assessment of this report of a concern, including speaking with Henniker Police Department, Concord Police Department, and the child's primary care physician. Additionally, Henniker Police Department met with your family on multiple occasions. Based on the assessment done, DCYF has determined that you have neglected your child. Now, the funny thing is, is I, I there's an app. So if you go on uh, YouTube, uh, Jay Noon, uh, my, my YouTube page, there is a 17 minute video of me reading the affidavit of the Henniker Police Department, the Henniker Chief of Police, where mm-hmm. the Henniker Chief of Police told dcyf there was no neglect or abuse he he verified that he he certified that mm-hmm. in an affidavit he actually had to go put a motion to vacate uh in family court because this social worker melissa coombs lied mm-hmm. made up statements out of thin air the statement one of the statements she made up was that the henniker police told uh her that uh sh- that um uh they were familiar with the noons as they are free stater, anti-government, and live on a compound with lookouts <laughs> and are dangerous. And are they counting the cows as lookouts in that case? You know, it's <laughs> it, 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 it's just and and the thing is, it's just total garbage. Yeah, it is. and and the other thing is, uh, there was actually no assessment done. Uh, in in order for these guys to do an assessment, a couple of things have to happen. And I, um, from what I understand, uh, they have to get our consent. They, we have to sign a release form. You know, the parents, hmm. and that never happened. And if people remember, I actually offered to allow the Henniker Police to do the assessment, but not DCYF. And they Be- refused. Because oh yeah, D- uh, DCYF DCY said that the Henniker Police were basically ain't not capable. They were not qualified uh, to do this assessment. <laughs> they didn't and, go to college for it, this. Well, well, yeah, they didn't. They didn't go to. They didn't go attend a college class called uh, maximizing revenue for DCYF mm-hmm. because you know when they do that assessment, they actually get a check. They get a payout from the federal government. This comes through the Clinton No Child 
left behind or family something whatever 1997 act i always okay. forget what that is but you know just like all you know acts of congress they are never you know what they actually they are opposite of the title like homeland security act or whatever it's it, you know they, this this child act is right. the opposite it's not about it you know it's about um it's about getting, revenue it, well it's about getting mo- it's about building more bureaucracy it's mm-hmm. about controlling children it's about destroying families well you the know, thing is she doesn't have to rely on the henniker police department she doesn't have to rely on the things that you say all they have to rely on here, it sounds to me like, is, well, there was a conviction in district court, so yep. therefore, child endangerment, we are going to rule that you must be part of our system now. We're going to get into more of this letter. You're going to share more of the details, yeah, right? Yep. Uh, we're going to find out what you know, what happens when DCYF comes after you as hard as they are here for the Noon family, because you've made it hard for them. You have not participated with them. You have not consented to, you know, talking to these bureaucrats. You have not let them into your home like a lot of people will just do. Yep. And, uh, of course, they just if you let them do the things they want, that doesn't mean they're going to go easy on you. They're going to steal your kids either way. And there's, they've done it. And yeah. they've gotten sued for it. There's, Hundreds of millions of dollars paid out. There's more coming up here. You can share your thoughts as well. It is Free Talk Live. CPS or whatever, there's different acronyms in different states, but these are the thugs that are separating children from their families. Professional career child traffickers that are paid by the federal government from the Social Security Fund. In many cases, billions of dollars. Stealing children and then putting them in much worse situations than they were already in previously. Uh, whether it be in the hands of potentially abusive foster parents or potentially abusive bureaucrats working for DCYF, which has also happened many times in many different states. And now they've targeted your family, Jay, uh, presumably yep. because you are somebody who is no fan of the state, the uh, federal government, the state government, you name it. You want independence. You want freedom. So they're going to try to do horrible things to you. And that's what they've begun to do. They brought your wife into court a few couple months ago, I think, at this point, and charged her with so-called child endangerment, even though there was never any proof that the child was in any way in danger. And the officer in the case specifically said that he didn't think the child was in any danger at the time. If yeah, I he testified that she wasn't in danger. <laughs> he sure did. Uh, but that didn't matter to the judge who went ahead and found your wife guilty uh, after a I don't know hour long trial or whatever. The, it was. the judge is obviously a simp for this uh, crooked, corrupt system. Sure, I mean his pension depends on it. Yeah. The prosecutor's pension depends on it. all these guys draw a pension from the same pension fund. They all get paid by the same treasurer. Sure. You know, so they're all working together. There's a massive conflict of interest. Bonnie actually uh, called the judge on it in her case. She just had a parking ticket that she won, amazingly, here in Keene at the district court here. But before she got going with the trial, she had some questions for the man in the robe. And she specifically asked him, you know, who pays his paycheck? Or I think she uh, the the, the first question was something uh, related to that. But it was, you know, essentially, you know, are you, is there a conflict of interest here because you're getting paid from the same 
uh, people that are doing the, the prosecuting. And he didn't have a very good answer for her in that case. Of course, it's not going to get the case thrown out or anything like that, but it is one of those interesting kind of things that you can do when you're in court is possibly get some contradictory statements from the at, judge. At least making them all aware of the hypocrisy they're trying to shove down everyone's throats. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely trying to slime out of those questions the best he could. So you got this uh, certified letter from DCYF that is essentially saying that they are saying uh, that your wife, Shallon, is a child endangerer. What, what's the terminology? That she neglected using? our daughter. Neglect. Because of her conviction for child endangerment, they're now saying that your child was neglected, even though the the child was in a car that was air-conditioned, that it was asleep, it was strapped into a, a car seat. I mean, there was no danger whatsoever, as the police officer specifically testified to, but none of that matters because all they care about is there was a guilty finding, and so therefore, neglect. Yeah, and a guilty finding in an absolute garbage courtroom, mm-hmm. a statutory court, and another thing that that happened during that trial is I asked the uh, cop, "What evidence do you, do you have? Evidence that that the New Hampshire Code and Constitution apply to someone simply because they're on the land that we call New Hampshire?" And he said, "No, I don't have any. Nope. That is one of the elements of a crime that they have to have jurisdiction. If anybody brings a lawsuit against anybody or any kind of claim, they must prove they have a right to to uh, uh, bring that claim against you. Mm-hmm. But when you have kangaroo garbage courts." Like most of them are, you know, run by a bunch of shills, uh, people who are cult worshippers of the state. Uh, they are constantly, you know, convicting people of nonviolent, no victim crimes where the state has oh, yeah, no jurisdiction. Long. And they have done this repeatedly to people who are involved in the freedom movement. Uh, Health Freedom New Hampshire was right on the back of my my wife's car. You know, the big uh, sticker is the first mm-hmm. thing you see. And. Uh, that's off of her car now because mm. the harassment and you just like you have um, that's sad. Pamela and Tyler Workman who uh, were uh, arrested and charged along with Rochelle Kelly for letting their kids play at the park. Actually, Pamela and Tyler are, have filed a um, uh, a complaint with the uh, Concord Police Department and the Concord Police Department put a no trespass order on them. I talked about <laughs> that for a minute last week. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're actually fi- uh, uh, drafting up complaints to file, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be uh, when that happens. I'm going to have uh, I'll be talking about it here, and okay. I'm going to be uh, asking people to uh, send letters to to their state representatives, send letters to the governor's council, saying that you want this investigated, that you are as a and taxpayers are having a foot to bill for all of this garbage. I mean, we got drug encampments. I mean, there's all kinds of, um, you know, problems going on. You can't walk through certain parts of Manchester without dodging needles on the ground. There's like parks you can't go hang out in Manchester. And and, and even we have, mm. you have cases right in my own hometown. I have uh, a nailed down a case where uh, a local uh, family who's not doing good at raising their kids, the kids are smelling like mm. urine and feces, they're, they're hungry. Yeah, uh, the schools reporting on them. The bus drivers reporting on them. Uh, other people in town are reporting on them. They're, they're, you know, this is a um, a, a mom uh, who has a, a drug addiction issue, mm. and and so these are cl- very much neglected and abused children. Sure. And DCYF had 
little to no interest in doing anything with them. That's crazy. But they had tremendous focus on me Mm -hmm. uh, and my family. And I believe it was because my kids are healthy. I also believe it was because we were being targeted as because we're free staters because we talk about being free staters. Mm -hmm. They even say in there, they even make up at a thin air in their affidavit that we're uh, free stater, anti-government, live on a compound with lookouts, for example. (laughs) And then they, in another affidavit, this Melissa Coombs, who um, is the bureaucrat here? Who, yeah, who is the uh, social worker that does not have an oath of office? By the way, mm-hmm. none of these guys have an oath of office. I got my response back w- when I asked for her oath of office. Was their state's response was state employees aren't required required to have an oath of office. Mm. So, um, de- what else is in this? Oh, this so what else is this goes on? Here. It says pursuant to RSA one sixty nine C three X I X. So that would be. 29 or no 19 b dcyf has determined that the minor child which i disagree with that term that's that's a that's a uh, commercial term minor child Mm. uh, is a neglected child by you without proper parental care control or substance as required by law and that her health has suffered or is likely to suffer serious impairment that is absolutely insane amounts of libel against you honestly yeah. because i think they did us a favor by writing that the, i mean this lawsuit's gonna be massive against the, these the guys. idea that your kid's health is in jeopardy i mean you guys are living on a farm you're eating the best possible meats you're eating fresh raw milk you guys have your kids have one of the best diets you could possibly give a kid but that's not what they're talking about they're trying to claim that because you your wife left one of the kids in a car for thir- you know allegedly 30 minutes and it wasn't even that long but yeah that that's somehow putting the health of that child in danger right the, the most ridiculous. dangerous you know what the most dangerous thing is you can do with a ki- child according to statistics you know how most children die motor vehicle accidents mm-hmm. properly strapped in the car i asked a cop on the stand have you ever seen a baby die in a car that was just parked somewhere no no uh, the statistics are in new hampshire not the statistics go back to 1988, 25 years. Uh, how, how many kids died in a car to heat exhaustion? That's the number one problem with you know leaving kids in a car is heat mm-hmm. exhaustion, and it's zero. It's zero in Maine. It's one in Vermont. <laughs> it's uh, zero in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But it's like 74 in Florida. It's like 56 in California, and like a hundred and something in New Mexico or whatever. Yeah. But you know March. In, in you know in New Hampshire, ridiculous, outrageous. So this goes on, uh, as required by law, and her health has suffered or is likely to suffer impairment. And the department is not, uh, and the Why? deprivation is not due primarily to the lack of financial means of the parents. Yeah. Why? How? And these are the questions you're in, intending to ask at what is mentioned later on a potential administrative review. Of this finding, you're going to be able to challenge. And, and, and these this. are questions that I demand that the New Hampshire legislature mm-hmm. is going to ask. And you know, I mean, just how much did this cost the taxpayers of New Hampshire? This entire ordeal. I can tell you that mm-hmm. Henniker Police Department has hundreds, hundreds of man hours into this. I bet Coombs is probably getting paid fifty grand at least a year. Oh yeah, well, and so you have Melissa Coombs uh, signs this, and then Colleen C Z U B R T. Mm. Supervisor, Concord District Office. J.R. Hole's been pretty handy on helping me kind of look into what these uh, mm-hmm. parasitic bureaucrats make. 
I mean, the state really needs to be dewormed because these guys are parasites. Yeah, the I guy agree. who plows the road, he can hang it. He, he's fine. I don't mind paying for him, but these these uh, parasites are unbelievable. Yeah. You know, she made like 40 some odd thousand dollars a year just in overtime. Whoa, Social workers crazy. are making like a hundred. The supervisors makes like a hundred grand. If you go on, I believe it's called GenCourt.mobile or Gen. GenCourt Mobile? That's Gen- uh that's the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance's site Correct. for uh, bills, like uh, upcoming House bills and Senate bills. Uh, does so it do other things? It does other things. You can oh, find wow. out how much uh, each government bureaucrat really? got paid in overtime. Wow, that's really impressive. Yeah, so I, I, if I had my computer here, I could bring all that up. And, that's um, cool. Uh, J.R. Hole has been working diligently on stuff like this. He's, you know, he spent $50,000 on a lawyer mm. to defend his thing, and he's actually working right now and putting a lawsuit together uh, and, and stuff. But anyways, we'll go back to his letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, DCYF has determined that you are the individual responsible for neglect described above. As a result of this finding, your name will be permanently added to the DCYF Central Registry of Founded Reports of Child Abuse and Neglect pursuant to RSA 169C35. Um, they say it's confidential with the exception of those department employees whose official functions include assessing the central registry for the purpose of results according to state or federal law. So <clears throat> this isn't confidential at all because any of these, you know, irresponsible. Remember, these people who commit these crimes constantly, all these government employees, they enjoy uh, qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. And qualified immunity be, means, basically means that the taxpayers pay for their damages. So That's if, right. So if you... Do if they're internet. found liable, in many cases, they're not even found liable due to it. Well, what happens is if, if you just, just pick out almost any random case. So if you just want to internet search NHDCYF settlements, mm-hmm. you'll start reading about, um, and you better have a strong stomach because I had, mm. I was, you know, wiping tears out of my eyes. I had to like stop reading this stuff but, uh, because it is just so disgusting what these people do to do to children and families and the abuse that they cause. Mm-hmm. And anyways, uh, oh, so the particular charge that my wife was charged with is child neglect. Um, you're exempt. You cannot be charged with child neglect if you're one of these agents is basically w- what the charge says. You know, wow. so uh, it, it, I, I'd have to go read it again. But basically, if you're, you know, one of these guys, you know, a social worker, you can't or work for the government. You can't be charged. That's with crazy. This. So uh, anyways, uh, what happens Being is in the gang has its perks. Oh, yeah. 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 So uh um, <clears throat> there is nothing confidential within government, mm. right? Like one of the reasons I don't want my kids having a birth do- birth documents issued by the state mm-hmm. is because as a student of history, you, uh, when, when a certain type of religion or race or color of skin, you know, it, it is the powerful people decide that those people are to be exterminated. Like Adolf Hitler mm-hmm. got a whole bunch of cult followers that followed his orders and they ratted on their neighbors and they, told on you if you might have been hiding Jewish people in your attic or floorboards. And basically, if there was a time in history where Jewish people, for example, were illegal, it was illegal to be Jew. You got exterminated to be a Jew. You, you also, during that many other times, what do they call it? Cultural cleansing or something? They got a name for it, mm. but um, genocide. Mm-hmm. And so and when these genocides come, the first thing the government does that is, or, or the people in power, and it's always government. Go is, through the it, birth certificates. They, well, mm-hmm. they go to the vital statistics mm-hmm. and they say, all right, where's the Jews? We're going to go get them and exterminate them. And so, you know, uh, I was very vocal with when my kids were born, we had to use a hospital because, you know, the, the midwife thing wasn't happening. We had to mm. have a C-section. So we and, and the only hospitals you can use happen to be, you know, a private, you know, a, a, 
uh, a private monopoly is essentially what the state is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they control these hospitals. You can't go get a, a you know a C section from a private anybody. It's all hospitals that you have to use. So um, I I told them I do not want any of my you know daughter's biological data in your database because you're horrible with data. And sure. as we know from history, you know, when the Nazis invaded Holland, they they went into the town hall and they got the registries of everyone who owned a gun, of everyone who was Jewish, and everyone that, you know, was who they were looking to exterminate and attack so they could single out and attack them. So this is why government should have no biological data of anybody. It is super dangerous. And they suck with their data. They're very loose with it. It's always getting compromised. You're always hearing something. Oh, this department, you know, some laptop was left on, blah, 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 whatever. Sure. You know? Yeah, some bureaucrat left it in the back of the, you know, stall at an airport bathroom yep. and somebody walks away with it. My my question or concern in this case is now that she's on this list of quote unquote abusers or whatever they're going to call this, what does that mean in the long run? I mean, th- does that mean that these bureaucrats are going to be able to dig even deeper into your lives like a, a bloodthirsty tick now? They can point to the list and say, ah, oh, you're on the list. Now we get to come into your house anytime we want to. Like, what are the ramifications of being on this list? I, so I see it as kind of like a continuance without a finding in like a DUI case. So let's say you get pulled over for a DUI and you you did you didn't have you went you didn't drink. Mm-hmm. Let's say you didn't. Um in fact I have uh, I didn't get charged with a DUI but I had a cop, you know, have you been drinking? Well, if I answer that question you're going to use it against me, you know, was mm-hmm. was, was my my response. Uh and <clears throat> you know, he totally could have charged me with a DUI. He he obviously knew I wasn't drinking uh because the cop knows me and I don't mm-hmm. drink and it happened to be one of maybe if the cop didn't know me it'd be a little different. But a lot of times what happens with people who get busted for a DUI and there's basically no evidence, there's no way to prove it, The and, and the lawyers love to do this because all, you know 99% of your lawyers are just totally lazy. You know They're just part of the oh, yeah. system. They're, they're they just want to walk you through a plea deal. Right. Uh, so they'll be like, well, we'll just do this continuous without a finding. So now as if you get busted or the same, they want to pick on you, you haven't you know drank or mm-hmm. you know, let's say you had one beer and they want to give you a hard time about it. Uh, now they call that as a first offense if you get busted again. I see. So uh, if if they're looking to, and, and you know, just like you know, uh, the sheriff uh, Hathaway said that they could basically you know go after you for any reason. You know, you got expired you know food in the refrigerator. There was some trash, you know, too much trash in a trash can. Dirty dishes in the sink. Uh, you know, your your kid had an outburst at Walmart. You know, whatever they want, they just use anything they mm-hmm. can. And actually, what we know now is, at least with the case of Melissa Coombs and this Colleen Zubrut, who protected Melissa Coombs uh, in this, they make up lies out of thin air. So these people just make up lies yeah. out of totally thin air. Let's say somebody just doesn't like you for some reason or wants to make an anonymous call. In fact, I, when I was a kid... Uh, in Massachusetts, my father had to evict a guy out of a rental house he had. Mm-hmm. And when it, and after we evicted the guy out of the rental house, which was a, you know a, a big deal, it cost us you know it's a couple awful. thousand dollars, and, and and the guy destroyed the, him and his girlfriend oh, destroyed the house. And uh, basically, right after this, child protective services and cops show up at at, at our house. I was mm-hmm. mm, eh, fourteen, fifteen years mm-hmm. old, and they said that they got an anonymous report. That that uh, my father was sexually abusing the kids, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. 
and my you know dad you know told them to leave and that you're trespassing and don't good. come back. And what they didn't know is uh, one of my dad's very good friends at the time worked for CPS in Massachusetts. Okay, and she printed up the file of who called the phone number and really? got the and, and everything. And it was this 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 woman that uh, the tenant the, the former tenant. The, the girlfriend of the tenant, mm-hmm. she, you know, she was living with a boyfriend. The boyfriend is who we rented to. And Got we it. Had to, so, anyways, the girlfriend of the tenant, and um, <clears throat> she was in our, let's say, horse community. Mm-hmm. And at one of the horse things, my uh, father passed out all this documentation Whoa. to her, and the guy who sold her hay refused to sell her hay. Mm. The guy who she went to the local grain store. You get it. You get out of here. They wow. kicked her out of the grain store. They wouldn't let her buy any grain. She went to another grain store and they t- told the same thing because we just basically that's told awesome. all our friends. Yeah, and, and that's how justice should be served. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't sue her. We didn't bring any charges against her. And the woman that worked for CPS, um, she did a really good job cleaning the files up and she, she didn't even care. She goes, you go present this. If it comes back to me, I don't care. Hmm. Uh, she goes, I'll claim whistleblower status because this is wrong. You know, nice. and so, you know, so the anonymous, like most of the time it's not anonymous. Yeah. They, they know knew. who calls they knew. and they're protecting that person. R- right. They protect yeah. that. So, so, and a lot of times the anonymous call is just something made up by a disgruntled bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. You know, and, and, and why can't they call into their own system? I that, mean, they absolutely can. That's right. And, and the thing is, if you look at like everything I talk about, everything I do, you go on my YouTube channel, you watch my videos, you just internet search my name, read about the things that, that I do, the things I I talk about the stuff that I incentivize, the things that I want to see is I want uh, uh, my goal is is liberty in our lifetime. And the only way I think we can get that is by raising a generation of young people who are confident and competent and don't need government. And that scares the hell out of the parasitic bureaucrats that we have, because what does that mean when you have a, a, a generation next is confident? And is and has fellowship mm-hmm. with all their friends, and and they're strong, and they can take care of themselves. They don't need government, and I'm trying to set that example for the young generation, and sure. a lot of people are setting that example for the young generation, and we're being, I believe, we're totally being targeted Absolutely. and attacked for that. That is inevitable. <clears throat> what's going to happen? Unfortunately, I mean, that's yep. just the reality of you try to change things. The people inside the system, the status quo supporters, the ones that are getting wealthy off of the backs of the taxpayers, they don't want that gravy train to end. They want to keep that thing going so they can get to their 90% retirement and, you know, pay for their kids' college and live in two houses or whatever it is they're going to do with all that money. They know it's it's coming. They know that the... uh, the government cheese is there for them. And most of this low-level bureaucrat class, like these social workers and like a lot of like young people who work in government, whether they're the janitor at the VA or, you know, whatever they're doing, even the, even the guys, uh, you know, plowing the road, a lot of them live like drunken sailors. A mm-hmm. lot of these guys are living basically... Irresponsible. Well, they're living irresponsibly because they are under the belief that they have a golden parachute retirement fund. By and, all evidence, they do, unless something changes. Right, because the way to, the, the uh, pensions are set up, all state pensions and city pensions and government pensions are set up. If the pensions don't perform to whatever they're sold to mm-hmm. the pensioners, like the city of Manchester, I believe it's 8%, which is absolutely amazing that you would even say guarantee a pension like that. Yeah. Because it's almost impossible for that a pension to, uh, to, create, to do 8%. So the taxpayers have So they point guns at the taxpayers, mm-hmm. quite literally, and say, well, you're going to make up for this if it doesn't do 8%. And then when these pensions lose, and of course, 
you know, you start getting into the government pension systems, it's just like everything else the government does. It's the worst people. It's the laziest people. It's the people who can't get a job, you know, in private pension, you know, sectors, you mm-hmm. know, and it's, it's just like it always is with, with all the other, you know, government bureaucrats and agencies. And, and, and it, when people ref- stop asking and stop begging for government's help and, 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 and stop paying into government and refuse not to participate because they're strong and confident, the system collapses. You know what else? May, you know the element that helps the system collapse when people don't trade in the coin of the crown. Mm-hmm. When they don't trade in U.S. dollars and they trade in their dollars for gold, silver, or cryptocurrency. That's why Ian, they've come after you and the other crypto That's six right. because you are. A, a, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of sort of like you know you're doing your part for freedom. You're yeah. doing your part to give people uh, options. I'm doing my part right from the begin right from the beginning with these kids to make sure. And you know another thing that happens too is like so everybody knows that I have a homeschool co-op that I I I I participate in, you know, Man Camp is my mm-hmm. homeschool curriculum. It is my plan to restore confidence in mankind. And then we have uh we have a you know private homeschool get together where and I don't even know if co-ops really the right word, but it's you know it's a cooperation <laughs> of families. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's technically a form of voluntary socialism, you know, cooperatives. And so we have, you know, families come over to my place and, you know, my family goes over to other families' houses on other days of the week. And it's not and, socialism because there's no state. Well, that would be sharing. Sharing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, <clears throat> uh, the so, so so anyways, uh, you know, are they going to try to attack us on that front? Yeah, who knows? You, you know, because. Uh, what this tells me is, right now. Is, 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 is if you went to get a job, say, at a daycare, they would do some kind of background check on you, and they'd be like, oh, oh you got child, child neglect. Yeah, with child neglect. You're, Although you're red they flag claim here. this is going to be private information yeah, and right. won't be available to most people. There's more coming up here, and I think there's a little more to this notice. Uh, I want to get into that as well. What they say that you can do as far as challenging this. That's coming up. Hour number three is on the way. You can join the show here as well. The number is 603-283-6160. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, kicking off the third hour here. Phones open as always. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you is Ian and Jay. We are talking about what has been happening to Jay Noon and his family. Uh, they've been targeted by the thugs over at what's called in the uh, in New Hampshire, DCYF, Division of Children, Youth, and Families. Is a group of people that uh, makes it a habit of kidnapping people, uh, peaceful people's family or their uh, family members, their kids from them, and uh, doing so on the flimsiest of circumstances, and in many cases, then uh, putting those kids in even more dangerous situations than what they might have been facing at home, like uh, shoving them in this youth detention center, the Sununu, I think, detention center or whatever it was called, where there have been multiple, apparently, rapes or abuses, Like 150 people are claiming they've been raped. Uh, Last year, the legislature put $100 million in a bank account, essentially, or in some, like, Mm -hmm. escrow to settle this, and... Uh, what is it? There's a yeah. They want to settle these right. rather than go to court. They're like, and be oh, found liable. you got raped once. We'll give you 
fifty thousand dollars. You got mm-hmm. raped twice. We'll give you another couple grand on top of it. Right. Even though in theory you could get a much bigger payout if you won an actual lawsuit against these people, but they want to make it seem like, oh yeah, you just sign this form, we'll cut you a check, and it'll all be over. Do you know what Footloose's um, YouTube page is called? Absolute or? Defiance. So on there, he interviews a guy. Mm. Uh, it was about a year ago. And the guy talks about how he was raped multiple times, how the, the uh, who was uh, Hazleton, something Hazleton's old lady's name. She's like the director mm. or some, I don't know what, what her position is in DCYF, but that was his like social worker back in it when he was in the okay. um, Sununu house or the detention center or whatever they call it, the child youth detention center. And she was well aware of it. He's claiming and uh, footloose actually got a call from some state trooper saying, you have to take this down immediately what? threatening him and stuff when he put this up. Uh, but there's a, it's like an hour long interview. Uh, I guess, what'd you say? Absolute defiance, absolute defiance That's uh, his channel. And you could, and this guy, you know, talks about basically how he got raped and uh, multiple times again and again. And they did nothing. And they did nothing. They just they kept, kept covering up for each other. And But That's this crazy. is what happens. You know, I call it. That these, is just so evil. It is so easy. But this is what, what happens when you allow people to, to just get away with murder, get away with rape, get away with molest, all this stuff. All these crimes that state employees can get away with because... They're literally a criminal gang. I mean, they're literally a criminal enterprise. They use violence and the threat of violence to extort money from people. They call it property taxes. If you don't pay them, they'll steal your home from you, which you found out how that works in Massachusetts because they did it to you. And so you have to pay into this criminal enterprise... They can arrest anybody they want, which is really just a kidnapping, and they can hold that person for ransom. They can't, it's called bail money. They can hold that person in their cages as long as they want to, you know, just bring more charges, concoct charges against their political enemies. We're seeing it happen, of course, with Donald Trump at the national level at this point. I mean, all of the uh, the facade has been wiped away, I think, in a lot of ways from uh, from the state. Of course, people still believe that they can turn it around or elect good people or whatever. And it's like it doesn't matter if you elect good people. The bureaucrats are entrenched. They're not going anywhere unless you can completely abolish this stuff. Yeah, the only thing we, rid can, of it. we can really do at this point <laughs> is to raise Generation Next to not need them, mm-hmm. to not want them to not support them, to stop paying these taxes, to um, just reject them, to opt out, to uh, not even, and, and it starts with not even let, not even allowing the state to put any of your child's biological data on their paperwork, on their paper in in, in their paperwork world. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> well, so yeah, if they don't know the kid exists, then they can't really go after it. Right. Oh, so you know what this is what this particular thing is going to do the next time i have a situation we have a situation with these guys is so they have you're this- talking about a letter that you've received right listeners just tuning in you got a letter from dcyf saying that they're essentially certifying your wife as a child in uh, in danger or t- child neglector they, yeah they say that she's uh they're finding it's a notice of finding yeah. okay uh, neglect and they have an assessment number here, and they've done an assessment, it sounds like. And I'm, I'm very curious to see if they've gotten money from the federal government from doing this assessment, because what I, what I can tell 
is they haven't done the assessment. So I wonder what kind you of fraud that at the that hearing. Is. I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of questions asked at the hearing. And probably going to be some questions asked potentially by maybe some state representatives. I'd like to bring some state representatives right into that hearing. And Yeah, that so. would be interesting. Uh, it does mention, I don't think we've gotten to this part nope. of the letter yet, but there is a hearing that you can request. Now, as I understand it, this is just an administrative hearing. You're just going to be in there with some DCYF bureaucrat. I mean, it's not going to be fair in any way, shape, or form. They're, nope. they're going to be walking into this hearing with the the you know the result or whatever already in mind. They know what they're going to do. They're going to find that their bureaucrats did the right thing. You're, nothing you say, nothing you pr- uh, present is going to reverse this. It's just a show hearing, essentially. Yep. And if I recall correctly, they only have to reach preponderance of the evidence That's as far as... As far as uh, the burden of proof, which is just like, oh, yeah, we think this is true, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and this is from, let's let's say, a known liar. Melissa Coombs, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. are a known liar. You're a scumbag. Yeah. You lied. And they're going to have her say things. <laughs> and I'm going to try to put you in jail, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what has to happen. Good luck. I, we have to do something to these evil people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not going to put themselves in jail. No, they're not, no. so you know, you know, I, we have to put major pressure on them at all points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, uh, and, 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 you know, it's probably timely that Sound of Freedom is coming out, you know, for me. This is the movie? The, the, you know, this movie, mm-hmm. it, just basically explaining explaining the sex child trafficking. And, you know, most of the domestic sex child trafficking, uh, the children are trafficked right out of the, of the Child Protective Services. Uh, Do they actually the say that in the movie? I don't know if they say I haven't watched the movie. I don't oh, want to okay. go watch the movie. It's just going to make me sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I understand what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I understand the gist of it. And yes, the most uh, sex, uh, most children that are sexually trafficked in the United States are is a direct result of they were in the CPS system. That's uh, a pipeline, right? Yeah, it, it is a pipeline. It, it, it CPS is also the pipeline for you know they called it the teens to prison or the, you know there was these judges in Pennsylvania who were getting kickbacks uh, by sending kids right. basically to juvenile hall. You know, um, back about ten fifteen years ago, I remember and, that, and a yeah. bunch of them went to jail, and there was all kinds of stuff about it. Uh, but anyways, you know what this is a setup for, this is a setup for, you know, when my kid turns six years old and they're going to be like, Hey, how come you haven't put them in school yet? You're not obligated to. And, and well, there, there's some, there's some RSA that they cannot find any evidence first off that an RSA applies to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cop, you know, the, a police officer should know that that cop that testified in that trial, he shouldn't be a cop because he has no evidence <laughs> that the law, that, that these codes apply to anybody, but he believes they do. Mm. But has no evidence. It's just a religion, and that needs. This is all going to be part of the complaint too. He's, you know, um, you know, these state representatives going to have to do some work, especially these Liberty State representatives, because I'm going to be like, hey guys, let's do something about this. Make some serious noise. Uh, well, uh, now's the time to start talking to them about it before this hearing even happens. Oh yes. because the state reps have, I believe, a week long, maybe two week long period at most in September. And I think it's like the earlier part of September to put in the bills that will come up in 2024. So if you want them to do something, the best way to do it here in New Hampshire, for listeners that don't know, we have 400 state representatives. It is the largest representative body in like, I think the third largest in the entire Western world or something like that. And it's just for one state. Yep. Uh, so it's, I think, an average of three to 3,000 to 3,500 people per state rep. These are people you can actually connect with. They're people, in many cases, that you know 
in the in the liberty movement we we have dozens of quote unquote liberty reps some more so than others uh but regardless a lot of them are going to be interested in this particular issue but now's the time to start calling them and talking to them about what the options are i mean obviously the best option would be to completely abolish dcyf how well that will go i don't know it's always interesting to take something that's a principled stand now it's hard to find state reps who are willing to do this but uh, Matt Santanastasso, who was the number one highest rated state rep in the last two years, he's gotten a 100% score from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, and they just came out with their results for this year. They've just been published, and Matt got another 100%. He's at the top of the list. Uh, he is willing to actually put forward principled legislation there's not a whole lot of the Liberty reps that are willing to do this, and that's sadly because of the whole my political capital excuse well we can't we can't propose to abolish dcyf because people won't take it seriously blah 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 they have all their excuses for this but somebody like matt he's willing to do it because he's not worried about getting reelected. he's not worried about what the other state reps will think that's why he put in a bill this year to abolish the entire war on drugs just to strike the entire Drug prohibition statutes, the whole criminal statutes for drugs, just to wipe it out entirely. And I was really pleased that 70 state reps voted for that. There was a roll call vote on that, and 70 reps, 35 Democrats and 35 Republicans, voted to end the entire war on drugs. Because you don't know. You don't know what the results are going to be until you actually put out the principled legislation that does exactly what you want it to do, which is hard to get. It's hard to have that happen because once you submit legislation, then any other legislator can get in and propose an amendment to it. But this one sure. actually made it to the floor without being amended, and that's because they didn't take it seriously. They didn't think it was going to pass, so we actually got to see how the full state uh, reps— I mean, 70 reps is not quite 20—you know, it's what, 20% or something like that. That's not bad. So what would happen if somebody put forward a bill to completely abolish DCYF? Look, if kids are being beaten and abused, let the police— Go and do deal with that or whatever, right? Like address, arrest somebody, charge them with abuse if that's what's going on. Why do you need an entire bureaucracy of these educated derelicts or whatever you want to call them, these these people, these bureaucrats that are just collecting $100,000 salaries to ruin families' lives? Yeah, Why is they, that necessary? Because it's a parasitic system and it has to keep growing and growing sure. and growing. I can't wait to get to particulars of this um, maximizing revenue for DCYF course that was been that has been being taught over at Granite State University. Mm. Uh, that's pretty interesting. J.R. Hole did a whole presentation on. I haven't seen the presentation yet. Wow, I didn't realize but, when you referenced that earlier that it was a real thing. I thought you were just no, making it's a joke. an actual legit thing. Wow. Yes, uh, <clears throat> J.R. Hole, mm-hmm. you know, told me a bit about it. Uh, so yeah, they have a thing here that says, uh, you have a right to appeal DCYF's decision at an administrative hearing. If you dispute the finding at the hearing, DCYF will present evidence to support the finding of child abuse and or neglect. You may, may present evidence that you did not abuse or neglect your minor chi- children. You may have a lawyer or other persons assist you or represent okay. you at the hearing. That's cool. I could have other people there, right? Yep, sounds like it. A DHHS hearings officer will be someone who has no prior involvement with your case. 
Sure. And it will make an independent determination as to whether your name should be added to the central registry based on DCYF's finding that you abused and or neglected. How is the minor it independent children. when they work for the same bureaucracy as the people who are coming at you? Right. It's not independent. It's not. It's a conflict it's of interest. And, the, you know, this. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, well, before you go on, if. Okay, so let's say you're going to go, you're going to do this because why not, right? right? Why not go ahead and, you know, see what their stupid evidence is, get them on the record, Mm -hmm. get them on video, actually put this, shine some light on this procedure. But let's say they go ahead and, of course, they find you responsible or your wife uh, guilty or whatever the terminology, bureaucracy terminology is for this. Is there a way to then appeal that to the courts? Now, I don't think they address that in this letter. But sometimes, and may not always be the case, but sometimes when there's an administrative hearing, you can actually appeal the administrative hearing to a real court. Not that that will help much. It does say after one year you have a right to request your name be removed from the central Mm -hmm. registry by filing a petition to expunge with the family court, circuit court division. Additional information can be found, circuit court's website, blah, blah, blah. They may or may Um, not have an obligation to tell you that there is a right to appeal. There may not be, right? I'm just just wondering aloud whether this is a possibility if you could go to superior court or something like that. So that may be an option. Um, It'll be really interesting to see this happen because, again, a lot of the stuff that these thugs do is done in secret because when they come at a family, it's embarrassing generally, right? Like who wants to admit that DCYF is coming into their lives. It's a right, right. It looks oh, yeah. bad, right? Like it looks like a black mark. Yeah, a few people will get on a radio and talk about it. Right. And all of these things are sealed because it's children and it's minors. Mm-hmm. So this is why nobody can investigate them. This is why, mm-hmm. so California is like the most diabolical evil state when it comes to child protective services. The amount of children that just go missing in DCYF custody is thousands. Wow thousands in california there's a uh, a documentary called save the babies that's a documentary people should watch in fact that's a documentary that these social workers mm-hmm. need to watch uh all these state representatives need to watch in fact uh, i am going to talk with a filmmaker about making a documentary exactly about my case mm. and what's going on here because you know, I, I have... I, I mean, well, you're I, actually documented. I mean, there's I've actual documented video, everything. right? Every time these bureaucrats show up, you pull out a video camera yep. and you get it on the record. And that's why I wanted to focus on was that that's what makes your case so different. Besides the fact there's no abuse or anything like that going on here, obviously. But you have the wherewithal and the knowledge as an activist to know that when bureaucrats show up, it's not just the cops. Like we were talking with David Hathaway, the sheriff down in uh, in Arizona at the border, about dealing with police at pullovers and uh, border patrol and the sneaky tricks that they try to pull. And and we talked about getting that on, on video. That seems obvious, right? Like that's something you want to do. It may seem not as obvious that when other bureaucrats show up in your life, whether they be a, a building inspector or DCYF or whoever it is we're talking about. They want to try to ruin your life. You should get it on video. And there's no reason not to. I understand people will say, well, if I if I upset them, then they'll come at me even harder. Well, yeah, I stop su- being a simp. Yeah, be I suppose man. that's possible. But the benefit of doing this beyond the the uh what's the word i'm looking for the uh i guess the positivity or the the benefit of 
being a man and standing up for yourself and feeling, you know, what that feels like to actually say no and not be a little bitch and just go along with whatever it is that they they want you to do to stand on your rights and shine light on what these people are doing is so valuable. Now, it's valuable in a different way. It's not like a bunch of people are going to necessarily give you a bunch of money, which would be nice, like to put up a fundraiser and actually get some support. Um, I think the the story would have to get out a little wider than it currently is in order for that to happen. But well, if anybody does want to support me, there's a way you could do it. How's that? You could go to my website, jnoon.com. That's J-A-Y-N, uh, I'm sorry, J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com. And some uh, crypto links, there. and I have down at the bottom of the page. Uh, I mean, it goes to my you know man camp donation, but yep. there's some crypto links there that'll show up in my wallet. You could, uh, cool. You could throw me some coin. Uh, I got to update that page. I need to come up. I, that, I need. I need some help with that. I don't really have a problem. Is a bunch of my buddies that are into website stuff. They all work like a hundred hours a week. Anyways, yeah, it's hard and, to find good help because they're always busy. Right. If they're good, I mean that's that's yep. the same thing with your business when you're yep. you know doing construction or whatever. It's hard to hire Jay because everybody wants to hire him. But uh, the point is, if you ever want to get big with a story, you got to have something to show people, and yeah. you've got video. And that makes a huge difference. You've been documenting this thing the whole way. So we documented the court trial. That video's up. We doc- you documented when the bureaucrats showed up at your house and you refused to let them search or let them in or talk to them or whatever. You've documented all that stuff, and you're going to document this administrative hearing. And they better let you because it should be a public hearing if you're allowed to bring people to it. Any kind of hearing you have. I know that uh, with D- the DMV... They had an administrative hearing with regards to one of my cases a while back. I actually had Mark Stevens kind of, quote unquote, represent me in that case. And the administrative tribunal guy, the not, not a judge, right, but bureaucrat, uh, the head boss or whoever it was that was uh, running this hearing, got so mad at Mark Stevens, he hung up the phone on him and disconnected He denied Mark you a Stevens. fair and meaningful hearing. Well, of course. <laughs> but So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes. They did allow that to be recorded, so it shouldn't be, shouldn't be any issue to have camera in there and, uh, and pack that place. Right, right, Which yeah. never happens, right? Like, this doesn't happen to these bureaucrats. If anybody ever has one of these hearings... They're probably just there all by themselves, maybe with their husband or wife, maybe with a lawyer, and that's it. Maybe mom and dad show up, right? But that's going to be like as far as it goes. The times that these people have ever had a packed hearing, I bet they can count on one hand if they even get to one. Right. Right. Yeah, I'd be... Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I, I've, I mean, how... I, I just don't understand how incompetent these people are to literally send a letter like this to me, sign it after they've been called out as perjurers and liars in an affidavit in a courtroom. You know, like I said, I read the affidavit of uh, the chief of police, uh, Matthew French on, mm-hmm. on the air here. It's on my YouTube page and it's in filed in the um, family court in Hillsborough, New Hampshire. And so back to those courts, everything's sealed. So if you're a predator mm-hmm. and you want to, you want to rape children or you have a marketplace to send children or you you uh, maybe have a market, maybe somehow you have an interest in an, uh, just an above board. It could be anything. So you could be like, a you know, harvesting them for sex and then their organs or you could just be have a have a um, adoption agency 
or have an interest in an adoptions agency to 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 adopt kids. And you know, let's say you know um, you want to pursue this because this is what you want to do because there are sick and demented people. We have sociopaths. So some of the numbers I have heard are three to five percent, but let's just say one percent of the population mm-hmm. is a sociopath, right? You know, so how many people is that in New Hampshire? One hundred and fifty thousand, because there's one point five million people here, right? Mm, no, it'll <clears> so be fifteen thousand, wouldn't it? One percent of one point five million. Uh, well, I, okay, yeah. So ten uh, percent would be one one fifty, I guess. Yeah. So fifteen thousand, right? Yeah. I don't know how many people work here, but they the, probably all work for the government. You, you know, the, right? So, <laughs> so, so the thing is, if you're a predator um, and you're a child predator, and you know, we know children are extremely valuable. We see that people are, you know, are are, are assassinated, executed. We see that tons of money is, is 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 put into this system. You know, what was it worth to Jeffrey Epstein to get some politician, you know, raping a young child? Uh, for example, on video, right? So, so this is how how valuable the exploitation of children is to the black market. So, if you want to get into some of this value and harvest some of this value in children, just become go go get involved in DCYF. Become a become a social worker. You enjoy qualified immunity mm-hmm. with all of these lawsuits that you're going to find where in New Hampshire DCYF settlements that you'll find on on the internet on, on or on your a search, state. Just search for your whatever. State. You're going to see that every one of them has a non disclosure with it. Where mm, the people really? who are paid a settlement can't talk they about quiet it. Out, quiet down. That's why they're mm-hmm. giving so much money, and the taxpayers mm-hmm. foot the bill. It's business as usual for sick. irresponsible, um, you know, parasites. Now we have. We got more coming up here. If you want to join the show, you're welcome to jump in. The number is 603-283-6160. Of course, you can bring up anything you want or weigh in on the department or division of children, youth, families, whatever they call it in your area. You can join the show here on Free Talk Live. online over at freetalklive.com you can join our social media site it is social.freetalklive.com it's a mastodon server it's uh, open source software that we are running on our servers so we set the rules and we don't have a whole lot of rules uh one of them is no spamming we don't want we don't want people spamming on our site and then no snitching if you see somebody saying something that you're offended by just hit the block button because we don't care and if you send a report we're going to ignore it so head over to social.freetalklive.com and you can interact with some of the other Free Talk Live listeners and some of the hosts there as well. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, by the way. It's digital cash. It is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin essentially useless for purchases, especially small purchases, uh, because the Bitcoin fees, last time I looked, were like a dollar or two on, uh, I think, the median just to do a transaction that's what you have to pay in addition to the cost of the transaction just so you can use Bitcoin. So the average person, they're not going to use Bitcoin. They're not going to use Bitcoin to buy a cup of coffee ever at this point unless they can bring the fees down and they have no plan to do that. Dash, on the other hand, continues to have fees that are less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible 
and its network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash confirmation uh, transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies, and it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month. To promote Dash on the air, you can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That's Dash.org. Let's go to the phones here. Sarah is on the line in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I I got a call back from the transit department. And from the messages, um, it kind of sounds like they're going to fade out the advertisement on the buses and bus stops um, when the contract ends. Because I, I, you know, called the city about it, how how it's, how annoying it is. And, and my whole point is the, the money that they made from all these advertisements, what, what do they have to show for it? What, what do I, how does it benefit my the public? I mean, I don't feel any of it. Well, I mean, you know it would mean? benefit the, the public in that if there were uh, lower costs to ride the bus, didn't you call us? a little while back and say that the buses are free right but that well, who's they have all for the it? same amount of wait, wait wait they have the same amount of commercials and advertisement when we were paying two dollars a day mm-hmm. they had the same thing going trying to make every um buck off of everybody when we had to pay so and then now we have so no you mechanics. want it all you want to have to not pay and not see advertising Okay, wait, wait. Okay, we were paying, and then we still had the same amount of advertising. I understand. But, this is what... but now you're not paying, and now you don't want to have advertising either. Right. So right? you just want the taxpayers to have to pay for the whole thing because you're upset um... because you have to look at an advertisement. Okay, but we had advertisements. We had advertisements, and I had. I still have to pay two dollars. I know for you've said that pass. three times now. So what difference does it make? What, I mean, what? What? The, okay, so listen, they, Sarah. I'm not that, here to defend. Sarah, I'm not here to defend the government bus system. I think it's a monopoly. It's generally crap in most places because it's a monopoly. They have no real competition, and uh, and I think that. What you're looking at here is you are essentially just a welfare uh, person, and so you're essentially addicted to government welfare. You think you're entitled to it, and you're acting as an entitled person would act. You're saying, not only do I want to uh, never have to pay to ride the bus, which you used to have to, now you don't, but you don't even want to see an advertisement while you're sitting on the bus or while you're looking at the bus or while you're sitting at the bus stop, and that means... Somebody has to foot the bill for you riding the bus. I don't even think that government subsidized infrastructure should even exist to begin with. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. But if it is going to exist, I don't blame them for wanting to sell ads on the space. Maybe that could bring the cost to taxpayers down. It probably didn't. It's probably just going into some slush fund or whatever. I mean, it's probably corrupt as hell. But maybe it could bring the price down to the taxpayers. If that's not there, then the taxpayers have to foot the bill for the entire thing. So what you're saying is, Sarah, you want the productive people of, of Albuquerque, where you live, to have to pay every single cent of the operating cost to get you from point A to point B. 
Okay, but does it really make that much of a difference? Because of the money that they make from advertisement, what difference does it make? I have no idea what they were getting from revenue, and you apparently don't either, do you? I don't. They never tell you, but you know what? We don't. They should tell you. Don't you have a Freedom of Information Act? Can't you ask questions and get answers from these bureaucrats? All I know is they cut the route. We we were short on. We have no bus routes because we have. They don't hire. They don't pay the bus driver. Nobody could. uh, Nobody wants to drive a bus. Gee, I wonder why. Why do you think no one wants to drive a bus? Uh, I got a cousin who's a bus driver in Springfield, Massachusetts. I Mm -hmm. can tell you exactly why, but we'll let Sarah finish. Yeah, why do you think, Sarah? Why do you think people don't want that job? Well, I mean, um, they uh, are pretty mean to the bus drivers. Who? Who's mean? They don't prosecute people that ride the bus. They 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 throw rocks. Mm -hmm. They throw throw rocks. I mean, they... Wow. Well, they want to. Okay, there was times that they don't want to get off because it's too cold. Mm-hmm. They just throw rocks. They throw beer cans. They assaulted them, yeah. and they're mean. They uh, all do, the stuff. What do all these people so, okay, have? My co- whole point is the money that they get from the advertisement. What does it do for the bus riders? What has it done for me? Okay, so, so <laughs> it's all about you, isn't make. it, Sarah? What were you going to say, Jay? So, Sarah, I got a question. You talked about these people who basically harass and antagonize. Basically, the reason the bus drivers don't want to have this job, uh, would you say that uh, these people are are working class people or are they welfare recipients? Um, you know, I think they're um, you know, they have a lot of uh, emotional anger problems. You know, they're mad about their but didn't answer the question. Abuse. Can you answer the question? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe they're all working. Maybe they're homeless. I, I really don't know. I, I don't think it's the working people that are doing the jobs acting like this. I agree it's with definitely you. definitely have the mentally, mentally ill homeless people or something. These are irresponsible people. Homeless. Yeah, well, they're irresponsible people who are looking to be taken care of. And when they're not taken care of, they get they throw a tantrum. Now, you're a little more reserved. When you are upset about something, you make phone calls and you call the radio station or you call the bureaucracy and you complain about it. But these people throw rocks. That's the difference. Well, I'm, I'm ready to go out 1 o'clock in the morning and beat up an advertisement because I'm sick and tired of looking at it. You're going you know to what? what I mean? Beat up an advertisement? Beat it up. Beat a- Beat it up and crack it like everybody else does. So you're going to commit vandalism. You're going to destroy property. Well, everybody else beats it up, you know. So everybody that's not else a good that idea. rides the bus is beating it up. So you'll join the Why, lowest I'm, common I'm denominator. Join You're going to start throwing rocks before you know it, huh? Well, at the advertisement, not the bus driver. They do a hard job. But I'm sick and tired of all these stupid advertisements, and I'm sick and tired of looking well, at it. you have it. no respect The money they make for property. doesn't make any difference you have for no, anybody. You have no respect for property. Now, how about this, Sarah? Let's say there was a private... Um, you know, a private corporation that's a nonprofit that's going to start uh, offering bus rides. And the way they pay for those bus rides is they is, is advertising. So the same way that you can enjoy YouTube as a consumer for free uh, is because they have advertising. So, for example, you know, YouTube isn't free to run. There's servers, there's employees. It costs a lot of money to operate YouTube and make mm-hmm. sure it works. And most of their funding comes from advertisers. So if the see, I would be, I would really love like a nonprofit organization that didn't take any taxpayer dollars. Yeah, sure. That was let's say tax exempt. That's fine. The problem um, is people like Sarah don't want to go and buy things. And, well, so wait it, but, a minute. 
so and 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 the advertising on buses is classic because it's uh, uh, like where was I? Uh, went through somewhere in um. Isn't a lot of it just government stuff? Uh, so it's like bail bonds. Call uh, Joe's bail bond <laughs> okay, service. Okay. You know, uh, got a DUI? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, Tucson. That That's where sense. I was. Lawyers. Tucson, okay. Arizona, last winter, and I remember that I, would, I drove by this place, and it was like a, uh, it was like there were a bunch of city buses parked there, and yeah. it was all this like bail that bonds, uh, DUIs. Yep. Um, the, the kind of people who can um, make money off of uh, pawn shop at so and so. We give you the best price yep. for you know. About. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, for the call tonight. Let's continue here. We got Rob in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Uh, I'd like to ask Jay. You know, I've been I've been through that hole they're trying to suck you and your family through, and you know, I know what it did to me. But I, I'd like to know when when does it become where it's terrorism on the states? side always I mean, uh, know, I i'd mean, say it already is i mean i think right from the beginning with the um with when you're going to call someone when you're going to say that the police told me that these people are anti-government live on a compound with lookouts and are dangerous that's really scary that terrified me when i heard mm-hmm. that in fact i was terrified Ooh. that you know well first off i was like oh wow did the cops really say this to her and then the chief of police, he's like, oh, I didn't say this, man. You know, I, I I was sick to my stomach when I read that. I can't believe, mm-hmm. you know, they they would say such a thing. And <clears throat> so, yeah, that is absolutely terrorism. That's an excellent point. The my, government meets the definition of terrorism word for word, okay? Definition from dictionary.com, the unlawful use... Okay, so that's the other. That's that's the one <laughs> escape word on it. Of violence or threats to intimidate or coerce a civilian population with the goal of furthering political, social, or ideological objectives. Yeah, that that's is exactly. terrorism. Yeah, and, that and is government. That's what's going on here. Hey, thanks for uh, thinking of another charge to add to the stack against these terrorists. <laughs> that's absolutely well, true. Government-protected terrorists, too, at that. Well, right. It's, that's the thing. It's not terrorism when they do it. Just like it's not murder when they kill your family members. And right. it's it's just absolutely insane. But this is what we're dealing well, with. It, it, it's like what the, uh, what was that, the prosecuting attorney down in Florida there said, on national TV, no one is above the law. Well, that's just garbage. I mean, we know that's not true. We know that they treat themselves as above the law. Right. You gave an example, Jay, earlier that these bureaucrats at DCYF, are they themselves exempt from the DCYF uh, restrictions, from the abuse uh, charges and such? But they're exempt from child endangerment. Basically, yeah. anybody, oh, it says anybody enforcing the child endangerment code is exempt from child and I, if you go i don't have it right in front of me but you keen police and the bureaucrats here in keen are exempt from the parking restrictions i mean they always exempt themselves from things like this the wiretapping laws uh that they got they went after our friend Ademo freeman from copblock.org on years ago guess who's exempt from wiretapping rules the government police i mean so a lot of these things don't apply to them and and, and if you look at like um you know getting back to the culture of irresponsibility a fine example of this is hunter biden Mm-hmm. So when you're somebody who's raised with privilege and elitist wealth and all these connections, sure. you, what happens when you're Joe, Joe Biden's kids kid is, is, is a crackhead pedophile that is, you know, working for uh, Ukrainian. I mean, these guys are literally responsible for starting World War Three. 
a hundred percent and they're just able to, you know, get away with it. And it's nothing. And then, you know, at this national level, you know, they're going after Trump, who is the least worst president of my lifetime. Best I can tell. He's still a bad guy. I don't like him. They got reasons to go after Trump, you mm-hmm. know, for his war crimes and stuff. And they'd have to. That's you know, not why they're going. after. Of course, him, they're though. not going after him because because uh, they all commit war crimes. Mm-hmm. You know, Biden, Obama, Clinton, Bush, every one of them's committed war crimes right back. You know, maybe Kennedy didn't. I don't know. But they all have committed war crimes. And so, you know, and, and it's just this is um, so this is happening at all levels of government, local, state, federal, uh, international governments. You know, we see the governments around the world are covering up for the Biden crime family, for example. We also see, you know, with the sound of freedom, governments around the world are participating in child trafficking, all these government agents. And, and they're covering up this, you know, this sex trade industry and they're, you know, taking away rights from people left and right. And DCYF is just, you know, famous for going after people. This is nothing new. This isn't just, you know, a recent thing. This has been going on for a long, long time. And this is what happened when you have multiple generations of state employees who receive, who enjoy these qualified immunity. You end Mm -hmm. up with a a culture. We have a subculture of people who think they can get away with, uh, they're above the law. They literally get away with murder. And all kinds of other things, and nothing happens. Well, they, and, and we have to true. put a they, stop to this. They don't just think it; they know it. They know they are above the law. In fact, the Manchester Police Department actually advertised publicly when they put an ad out to hire more police officers. I think it was like a Facebook ad. They said that one of the job perks was qualified immunity. Like it's right out there on Front Street that they know. That they can get away with actually harming people. They know they can get away with destroying people's rights. And and, that's a perk. And with respect to qualified immunity, if there's a police officer listening to this right now, anywhere in the world, you you, you probably get qualified immunity. Mm -hmm. If you like your qualified immunity, the way you're going to lose it, the foot in the door for qualified immunity to disappear is going to be DCYF. Mm -hmm. And that is the way to go after qualified immunity because all parents hate DCYF. When I held the sign when I was running for state rep last year in Henniker in front of the uh, voting thing, I held a mm-hmm. sign that said abolish DCYF. I had just 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 people after people mm-hmm. just coming up to me, oh yeah, DCYF is horrible. DCYF is this. Well, then those and, state reps need to put in a bill and actually try to abolish it. Not it, just pit, not just piddle around with reform efforts and investigating and well, we need a task force. No, they just need to put a bill in to just wipe it out. And 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 when you have a number of roughly 300 million dollars, best I can tell, now I'm not an accountant, I'm only going by information that you know I can find. I'm a farmer, mm-hmm. but basically, it's three hundred million dollars is what it looks like that the, the the New Hampshire taxpayers have paid out just to settle DCYF uh, settlements mm. in the past decade, the past ten years. That's a liability, is what it well, is. It, how much is that per granite stater? I don't know. You know, it's a, a lot. lot of money. That's I didn't do lot. the math yet. I don't have a calculator in front of me, but um, you know, three hundred million dollars in little New Hampshire, like. Uh, California, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's in the billions. It's absolutely insane. Uh, but this is happening everywhere, and it's influenced by the federal government. This is another reason we need to get out of the thumb of the federal government. Absolutely, you know, these, these, these federal agencies um, <clears throat> are, uh, you know, they're, they're, so they're creating the problem. So, so the most of the reasons that DCYF like gets into people's lives, uh, the most of the people who are like bad people that like give DCYF like a reason to exist because they're actually neglecting their children is because they're on drugs. 
is because mm-hmm. they're 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 abusing drugs and the drug they're abusing is opiates. By the way, Rob, thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. And and and, and you're saying if there was no uh, war on drugs, then well, so you got the war on drugs. But the other thing is all these the, uh, so so these examples of people who who like I, I would say it's a legitimate case for DCYF to exist, like. You know, the mom who's a single mom with, you know, four kids from six different dads mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, is a heroin addict or a fentanyl addict or whatever. Um, the uh, uh, the the th- their income flow is welfare. Mm-hmm. It is welfare. There, there yep. is actually a case of a woman who died. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh about this. This is not funny, but she died of an overdose uh, and the. the the um, uh, somebody involved with this gets a call from the IRS stating that she cashed her income tax check and after death, after death. Mm -hmm. And she's a welfare recipient Mm -hmm. and a heroin addict. And the, uh, and you know, this, this friend, this guy, he's a, um, he, he works in actually the legal system. This guy telling me about this. He's one of the guys I'm talking to, you know, in this and he's like oh you want to hear something so the woman dies and then he, he's part of a phone call with the IRS they're trying to figure out who cashed her income check income tax mm-hmm. check and the this guy says to me he, he says to the IRS agent um why would she get money from the IRS she doesn't earn any money she doesn't get income mm-hmm. how 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 could this happen and the IRS agent's like well she claimed these you know tax credits on her children okay and but the ta- the check was cashed after she died, so right. it was cashed by one of her junkie sure. friends, yeah, you know, most likely. Yeah. And uh, but it's like, are you and, and like this guy here who he's like sort of in the system, and and, and he's like, it's, something's wrong. If you're don't if you don't make income, you don't work. You're mm-hmm. a career welfare recipient, and you have multiple children with multiple dads. And you get an income tax check. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and she died. She overdosed. And, and she's clearly on welfare. And so this guy, like, he represents, you know, all kinds of, like, people with, like, things like this. And he was, like, I, I think he had to, I can't say what he had to do. I'm surprised actually, he's but, surprised about this. Well, he's just, like, he he's just, you know, you know, he's just, something is very wrong. These people like, know how to work the system. I mean, we've had Sarah, who called tonight. Yep. Uh, call and tell us the intricacies of the welfare system. She knows it like the back of her hand because that is essentially her business. She has full time to learn how to maximize her welfare because she has nothing else to do. I want to go to the phones here. Chad is on the line in Michigan. Chad, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. Yeah, hey, how's it going? I just wanted to give a shout out again because you guys are talking about the uh, child trafficking to uh, Nick Bryant. And uh, encourage everyone to read the Franklin scandal, which is all about how uh, CPS, charitable organizations, uh, and the U.S. government are human trafficking all the time. Uh, there's a documentary called Conspiracy of Silence that's all about it. Mm. People really need to check it out because it's, it, it's tragic and it's happening all the time everywhere. I grew up with a um, guy named Nick Bryant from Massachusetts. This wouldn't happen to be the same guy, would it? You know I don't know is? where he grew up, but uh, hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think he's uh, currently in New York, but uh, just Google his name. I mean, he's uh, he's the guy who broke Jeffrey Epstein's black book in 2015. Um, oh, wow. He's been uh, he's been on top of this stuff for a long time, and uh, he's got a uh, he's got a Patreon, and a uh, now he started a a podcast. So 
You can check it out. What was the, what was the movie called again? The documentary? Conspiracy of Silence. That okay. actually came out in the well, it, they tried to release it in the 90s. A British film crew came to Nebraska uh, where this whole thing went down. Uh, and the Discovery Channel was financing it, actually. Mm. But it got, got uh, quashed before they actually could put it on the air. Mm. And then uh, one of the uh, producers was disgruntled, got a copy of it, and just put it on the Internet for free. Nice. Conspiracy of Silence. Uh, right. You can find it all over you know bit shoot it's probably even on youtube i don't know if it's been taken down from there but uh, it sounds like it'll be hard to watch but uh thank you for making that recommendation uh what's this guy's podcast nick bryant's podcast do you know it's just called the nick bryant podcast okay um and he is uh he i mean this guy has been crusading about this for a long time and no one wants to listen because mm-hmm. it's scary when you get down to it. I mean, the, yeah. the thing is with this Nebraska child net trafficking network, it was connected to a Washington, D.C. one, too. He goes all into it in the book. Another book called Confessions of a D.C. Madam, he, uh, he talks about how the, <clears throat> there was a, a gay escort service uh, in, uh, in D.C. where the, the guy who was running it, they tried to get him to start giving children to the politicians, and he refused. Oh, wow. And they came after him. He ended up going to federal prison. It's a really interesting story, but I mean, this stuff is... That is dark, is, dark, deep stuff, for sure. Yeah, and it goes to Mount Olympus. You're talking, this goes up into the furthest reaches of the Bush administration, the Bush one, the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, this yeah. is not... This it is isn't just goes- Joe Biden, right? Like, this isn't just Joe Biden sniffing children. That is like the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the Republicans and the Democrats behind the scenes are all the same people. Mm -hmm. They pretend like they're fighting in public, but they're not actually fighting behind the scenes. It's professional wrestling. Of course. And when you, yeah, out out in public. But, I mean, Joe Biden, sure. I mean, he's uh, obviously, I mean, his his own daughter was saying that uh, he was taking creepy showers with her. And Mm -hmm. obviously you see hair sniffer and stuff like that. But, I mean, these guys, uh, you know, this is, this is, par for the course. This is what they do at the top. Not even just at the top, from from the bottom to the top. It yeah. goes all the way to Mount Yeah, these DCYF guys are at the lowest low levels, right? Like and they're they're getting away with horrible stuff most of the time. Yeah, and the and you know what too, there are people within those organizations that go into it for the right reasons mm-hmm. and then they either end up getting pushed out right. uh, they'll get prosecuted themselves they'll come after them desperate oh, you I believe can't it. make it anywhere in these organizations if you're trying to actually help kids thank you chad Gr- great call horrible topic but i definitely appreciate the call and that's of course what we've been talking about the thank movie you. is called conspiracy of silence what he recommended and thank you chad for the call tonight we'll see you soon here on free talk live If you want to move to the free state And you're looking for some real estate Well, I know a guy who's really great It's the Realtor Mark Warden Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire In our march toward liberty in our lifetime Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars To educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. 
PorcupineRealEstate.com